And I welcome everybody to episode 85. Ooh, episode Paul Johns is what it's going to be. I don't know if you're... <laughs> I always go an old Seahawk from the 80s. <laughs> I got... Seahawks are not well represented on, on 85. Well, on Paul the number Johns 85. disagrees. I mean, I think well, he works Paul, for the Hawks now. Yeah, he does. And he's always got nice shoes, nice sneakers. Is that right? He matches. His sneakers match his shirt. Oh, okay. He's very color-coordinated, Paul Johns. Gotcha. All right. I think... <laughs> I think that the consensus is that he's not the best 85, but the guy who they say is the best 85 for the Seahawks, and we're getting way ahead of the horse here, yeah. so I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to come back to this when I normally do it. Let's See, do you it. got me. You got me. That was all your fault what we just did there. That's what I do. That's you what have I done do. That. Okay, go on. Hopefully another break from the uh, the dire challenge that faces the country. How are you guys getting along? Everything okay? We are cleaning like crazy. I told you my wife's that type A who can't, like, there's no sitting around. Right. So I'm in the garage. I'm cleaning that. She's cleaning the inside. Oh, and we're going through a kitchen renovation right in the middle of I it. I know that. All because of the leak? Yes. A pinhole-sized leak of it hot water. It seems like you're doing much more than just the leak. Well, the leak's been fixed for a while, but oh. but it, when it shoots hot water for a couple days, it causes damage. Oh, so and this if, is a this is a, an insurance deal. Yes, sir. I see. And if one hardwood panel, like if one piece of the hardwood is is damaged, yeah. they just replace everything. They don't play. And are they coming over to the house now? Oh yeah, but they all have masks on, and my wife and kids stay upstairs, and I'm. So they come to the house now. Ooh. So oh yeah, so I get I get COVID nineteen worries and dust and mildew and must. They're and, coming over every day and doing this thing. Well, they haven't even started putting back. How many yet. people are coming over to your house? It's the most was three to clean out the entire kitchen island. But they got to start with the. You ever been in your crawl space, by the way? I have, yes. Have you really? I have. I would have bet my yes. life you don't even know how to get in there. I know how to get in there, and I've been down there, and it's not pleasant. It's awful. I don't like going down there. Like, you never know who you're going to come eye to eye with. <laughs> I watch too many horror movies. <laughs> okay, so I had to try to find this hot I think a I crawl was... space is a terrible idea. Well, it's a good idea when you have a leak that you <laughs> yeah, can get to it. Yeah. You're loving it then, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. And you pay some yeah. of the plumber to go down yeah, there. Yeah, I've if, been down there. So I got all suited up. I have coveralls. I have a thing. I have a whole th- I'm covered. And if you would have said you can jump out of a plane or go in your crawl space, I would have gone up in the plane and jumped out. That's how scared I was <laughs> of going into my crawl space. I was waiting to see Samara from The Grudge come yeah, crawling around. I was around very scared. Too. I, I don't know oh. that I was scared. I was just creeped out. Of course. It's awful. Yeah. And then you did like out of a movie, you do the flashlight slowly yeah. and you're waiting to see someone staring there at you. Yeah. I've yeah. had to go down there a couple of times. Have you really? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm up in the attic too. I don't like going up in the attic. I got to change filters up in the attic. Yeah, oh yeah, air filters sure. like every four months. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought for sure you. I'm would've... a handy fella. It looks like it. <laughs> I thought for sure you would have just paid somebody. I don't know to go how I feel though about you sitting sitting right across the way from me yeah. with these guys coming. We just had a long conversation before you before we started to record about you know should we be doing it in person? Mm-hmm. Should we not? Should yeah. we stop? And I was very comfortable with the 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 picture that you had painted for me of the of the uh, soda. I, I left and that out. Got, and now you got 12, 15 guys coming coming through. Yeah. You know, spitting. Yeah. You know, throwing. You know, I don't know. Three of them work at the ICU in the COVID nineteen <laughs> unit. So no, but they That's all have. Not funny. Well, I mean, it's a joke, of course. But yeah. they all have masks on. They're very yeah. careful, and they all. And I have a thing of sanitizer for them when they come in, and everything. Good. It's, Good, yeah, Good for I'm, you. Hush. What am I gonna do? I mean, what am I gonna do? I have no kitchen. I have no kitchen. I'm mad that we didn't install one of those outside showers I think would come in handy right now. 
You know those, like in when you go to Arizona, <laughs> yeah. you know those outside, in, in warm weather places, oh, like sometimes, beach, yeah. yeah, you get, oh, you, yeah. You, you, I wouldn't force you, you'd have to have a shower every <laughs> time. Before you, I got <laughs> it and spray me down. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's strange well, times. Well, I hope that everybody's doing okay out there, and I hope your loved ones are safe. Really, 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 we'll continue to, to send out these these podcasts with hopes that it'll uh, take your mind off of everything. Uh, we ask a favor in response. If we're going to do this, we're asking a favor back mm-hmm. from our listeners. Please, please, please remember to not only subscribe to Mitch Unfiltered. It's free. When I say subscribe, it's not like a magazine. It's free. But we also need everybody to click play on all episodes of Mitch Unfiltered. What do I mean by that? Every time somebody clicks play, when you start to listen to an episode, you don't even have to listen for more than two seconds. That's right. As soon as you hit play, we get credit for the listen. So I'm asking all of our listeners, since you have a lot of time on your hands, don't, you know, this whole... You're turning into your dad all of a sudden. There's a lot of people that still give me the whole, well, I've been busy. Yeah, yeah. No, you haven't, okay? You you know, people that don't return texts, you have to wonder about those guys, because where really are they? We all know... wherever. I mean, if I text... Barack Obama, he yeah. better get back to me because I know <laughs> that he's supposed to be home doing nothing, it's true. just like the rest of us. But anyway, I know that everybody has time on their hands, enough time to do, and it doesn't take a lot of time to hit click play. Seriously, I've done it. We've done this is episode eighty-five. So if there are any episodes that you haven't listened to and you haven't clicked play, it would do us a whole hell of a lot of good. It would sustain us and keep us around for a while if everybody would just go through them. And click, click play. Think about how, how long it would take you to scroll down on one of the platforms, mm-hmm. on, either on your phone or on your computer. They're all listed right there, 1 through 85. And by the way, listen to them a, a, along the way. Sure. I really want everybody to listen to number one. But even if you don't listen to them, how long could it possibly take to go boop, 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 boop? Just yeah. click play, the play button on 85 shows. How long could that take? You 10 fo- minutes? Well, you forced me to do it when I first started. Well, you, you held we, me down. we weren't at 85 at that point. But how long could it take to yeah, do that? 10 minutes. 10 minutes, I think five it, minutes, seven minutes, 12 I, minutes. Yeah, I started on episode 43, and I think it took me about five minutes, actually, to okay. go through the first 43. And just cl- yeah. click, that's, that's all long. I'm asking. Yeah. Click play on all of the episodes. On this episode 85, we've got four guests for you. A former ESPN and CNN reporter, Kaylee Hartung. Have you ever heard that name before? I have not. She is now a new uh, ABC News correspondent. You might ask, why in the world would you have a former ESPN CNN reporter who's now on ABC News on episode 85? Why in the world? Well, she was moved to Los Angeles by ABC. And about four weeks ago, she got a call from her bosses at ABC and said, you're going to Seattle to cover the Kirkland Nursing Home. Wow. She covered the Kirkland Nursing Home with her crew for five days. Yeah. Uh, for seven days, five of them for seven days. She got back on a ho- on an airplane to go back to L.A., got sick, and tested positive for the coronavirus. Wow. And she is going to tell her story of what that was like, what she saw in Kirkland, and what that whole experience. She's doing fine. Good to hear. She's young. She's vibrant. Yeah. I think she's now out of whatever they call it, quarantine or whatever they call it. 
and she's feeling great, but she feels terrible because she could have been spreading it on the airplane on the way, but sure, she wasn't yeah. feeling any symptoms. And she had they had a party for her, a welcome to L.A. party for her. Oh. And she went when she first got back to L.A. after being in Kirkland. She went to this welcome Kaylee to L.A. She wasn't feeling bad. And then all of a sudden she started feeling sniffles oh. and whatever, and she tested positive. So she's going to tell us her story. That's amazing. I want to hear her journey and her story. It's a it's a it's. It's it'll hit you right in between the eyes. I saw a lot it'll of hit people. Hit you right between the eyes. A lot of newscasters and trucks outside of that facility, and I was thinking she that was the there whole for time. seven days. Yeah, wow. Not wearing gloves. Right. Not because remember at the beginning of all that, it was like it was a lot more cavalier than it is obviously now. So she'll tell us that story. My old buddy Jason Locken Four. Now, not only does he cover is he kind of the NFL insider for CBS, but there's another reason. An unfamiliar reason to have Jason Lockenfora on this episode 85. He's from Baltimore. He was born and raised in Baltimore. And he, three weeks ago, got five, and he's always wanted to do this. He got his own sports talk radio show. He's like, he's like the afternoon. He's like the gas man now of, of Baltimore. <laughs> nice. Good for and him. He, and, but think about when he started. All he right. debuted the show oh. three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, man. Like three days into it. And this oh. was his dream. He yeah. really wanted to do a, a daily uh, Baltimore sports radio talk show. So he'll come on to tell us the story of having to do the show, debut the show, getting all of his buddies on, all these big names on, and then being told, well, you got to do it from your house now. You know, now these oh. guys are trying to do it from this house, and it's just been a been a colossal uh, challenge. Let's put it that way. Well, if he needs a producer, you should offer yourself up. I mean, you're not doing much these days. I mean, you getting benefits you out of it. Can't tell you know? people that you're not, that you're not available because you're busy. <laughs> you're not true. allowed to do that. You can't do that anymore. So Jason Lockenfor is on. Um, also, I've got Brody Mullins on. He's a Wall Street Journal investigative reporter. I wanted somebody to make sense of the $2 trillion stimulus package. What does it mean to the Soden family? Gotcha. What does it mean to this family? Are we getting money? How are we getting money? How much money are we getting? How long will it take? Where is all this money coming from? I don't know if you've been paying attention. Yeah, yeah. That's, but that's a most big check. Of, yeah, most <laughs> Americans are going to get a check. Right. And he's going to explain how that whole thing works and kind of break down Good. what we all need to do and know on the stimulus package. And Heather Tarr, do you know the name Heather Tarr? University you should of know Washington softball 600. She is the winningest coach of all coaches in the history of Washington athletics. No wow. coach in the history of Washington athletics has won more. She's won a national championship as the coach of the softball team. I watched it. She was also a player on the softball team when she was younger and her season, like all these other seasons, were ripped from her when they had the number two team in the country. Oh. She's going to tell us what it was like. And now she's fighting like hell to get her seniors one more year of eligibility Great. and allow them to come back next year and play one more season for Washington softball. I so love it. I mean, that. I was excited when they were. I think they played Florida, maybe, in the national championship. I can't remember. And they had Danielle Laurie yeah. was that pitcher. Oh, she so was amazing. So fun to watch, She right? was amazing, right? And then in softball, they don't need like five days off. No, they come right back and pitch it's again. Amazing, and they throw like 342 pitches. <laughs> and if you have one of the best pitchers, well, there you go. Just keep uh, running her out there. That was fun. Yeah. I remember when they won it. Yeah. So there you go. Episode 85 with four guests. Hot shot, and everyone, please don't forget our partners, Zeke's Pizza. You've made dinner night after night, stuck at home. You need a change. Zeke's Pizza delivers. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. We just had two pies come to the house the other night. It's safe 
delicious, paid in advance, tipped in advance, deliverer dropped the pizza right at our front door. We even sprayed the boxes to make sure. Felt like a little delicious normalcy in the middle of this craziness. Zeke's Pizza delivers, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, and you can imagine the stress that the Schwartz family is under with our favorite world-class steakhouses in these unprecedented times. How can you help such a wonderful partner of mine all these years? Well, beyond purchasing gift cards at danielsbroiler.com, don't forget, Schwartz Brothers baked goods that are on display at your favorite grocery store, same company, same fantastic products. We love the chocolate croissants from the Schwartz Brothers bakery that we get at QFC. The Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage, call 425-250-3150. Turbulence in the financial markets, some very valuable opportunities in some respects. You'll hear Jordan Flowers on this episode 85, three top 1% brokers in their Kirkland office alone. Jordan Flowers has compiled an all-star team that's standing by to save you money, interest rates, cheap money, buying opportunities, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. An evergreen golf call who's listening to you during the upheaval in the markets these days, that is the coronavirus. Tyler Hayes' team responsibly growing families' money for decades in its private wealth management division with offices along the West Coast, Bellevue, Portland, San Francisco, the Napa Valley, Evergreen and its clients well positioned to be able to pounce on some opportunities that are coming in the economy. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. This is episode 85, and it begins right now. Unfiltered. Is the virus that has us all now more and more, or at least we should be, in our homes Is it not testing the fabric of every family right now? Is the inner workings and inner fabric of every family being put on the line right now, having to be with your your wife and your kids every single minute of every single day, is that not difficult? Is that not challenging for all of us? How do you deal with that? Unfiltered. If he can cover and forget catching, if he can knock the ball down and cover and maybe come up and make a tackle in the run game, fine. Tell me he's got meat hooks. Tell me he'll never catch it interception his entire career if he can do the other three things if he's a great cover corner and he's going to cover that side the left side of the quarterback the right side of the defense and he's going to come up and do okay and run support i don't give a rat's ass if he never catches a he can't catch a cold for god's sakes mitch is unfiltered Okay, now, Hot Shot Scott, it's episode 85. More hot Paul Johns talk? (laughs) Is that where we are? (laughs) Oh, geez. Before we, it's 85, it's it's episode, as you would know, Ocho Cinco, episode 85, episode Mark Bruner. Yes, from Aberdeen, Washington. Is he from Aberdeen? Uh, 1994 graduate of the University of Washington, 14 years in the NFL, one of the long list of tight ends that played at Washington that went into the NFL. He wore number 85. Does that do anything for you? Yeah, sure. He caught a touchdown in the Rose Bowl against Michigan the year they won. I just tweeted out the picture. Oh, did you? I just tweeted out the picture. He's walking the sideline? Well, no. Well, it wouldn't be. It was the back. The back back of the end zone. Yeah, yeah. The back of the end zone. Yeah, back of the end zone. Yeah, I remember it very well. Uh, Cam Cleland. Did you just already mention Cam Cleland? Oh, you mentioned him off the air. Off the air, Cam Cleland. He wore number 85. He was good. Yeah. Was he the one that got hazed? 
in the NFL. Do you remember that I story? I mix up all the wa- all these yeah. Washington tight ends. They look alike. Ernie, <laughs> they sure do. Ernie Conwell, Cam Cleland, Jeremy yeah. Briggle. Somebody rescued. I think we talked about this. Somebody rescued a a, a passenger. Somebody a car on the side oh, of the yeah, road. That's right. Somebody pulled somebody to safety. I don't remember. I don't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. My apologies to all of these tight ends that played for Washington <laughs> that went to the NFL. But yes, Cam Cleland. I think got a problem. Yes. In the NFL, With the Saints. I want to say he yeah. got. They got, got hazed. Yeah, he was a rookie. Hitting rookie him over hazed. the eye was Rookie something. hazing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, episode, not Paul Johns, episode Mike Pritchard. I forgot he was a Seahawk. I remember yeah. him. I think, was he the Hawks? And no, no, uh, the Falcons, I mean. The Falcons and the Broncos. Yeah. Falcons, he, Broncos, right. Seahawks, wore 85. Mike Pritchard. When you look up who was the greatest Seahawk to ever wear 85, Mike Pritchard, this is how bad 85 was. Interesting. Mike Pritchard's name comes up. So That's it for the Seahawks, 85s? Huh, interesting. It's pretty it. Okay. It's Johns and, and Pritchard. There's some pretty good national ones. Jack Youngblood, defensive end for the Rams, Hall of Famer, seven straight Pro Bowler, Pro Bowls, uh, five All Pros. He was a really good. Remember him, Jack Youngblood from the seventies? Didn't seventies? Was, yeah. Wasn't there another Youngblood on the Jim? team? Jim and weirdly not related. Oh, I, I thought that they were. Were they not related? I don't Jim think Youngblood and rel- Jack Youngblood. I think they were related. Okay, well, We'd have to check somebody that on out. Twitter will will. Uh, yeah, check we'll that out us. for us. Yeah. But if they're not related, it's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah, there was Jim, Jim Youngblood and yeah. Jack Youngblood. And then there was Antonio Gates, who wore oh. number 85. Arguably just recent. the second greatest tight end See, of all here time. here we go again about that. I don't no. think oh, so. Oh, yeah, we talked about it. All I right. don't think so. I think Statistically, though. Well, I think Tony Gonzalez is everyone's number one. Pretty much. Okay. And I think, I think Shannon Sharp, No. You think you think Antonio Gates over Shannon Sharp? I know Antonio Gates has great numbers. Anyway, 955 catches, 12,000 yards, 116 so touchdowns. Uh, my favorite as a kid growing up, you oh. probably don't remember. Nick Bonaconti wore number 85. Do you remember 80, uh, Nick Bonaconti? No, not, no we don't. Not, 1972 Dolphin. Not the Dolphin I thought you were going to say. Oh. Who'd you think I was going to say? Or maybe I'm wrong. Uh, was Duper 85? Oh, was he ever? <laughs> Forgot about Mark Super Duper. Love wow. Mark Duper. How about me bringing up a dolphin? He sure was in 85. <laughs> Clayton and Duper. I, I the Mark. They the were, Mark brothers. They were great. But Bonacani, yeah. I think he just passed. Just and passed I think away. there was a 30 for 30 on him, maybe. Well, you guy. know the story about his son, Mark Bonacani who played football and was one of the early uh, sufferers of paralysis. That's right. Got paralyzed, and there's the Mark Bonacani uh, f- uh, uh, Foundation. It was a huge – this is going back. Mark Bonacani, this happened probably 35 years ago, and yeah. Nick Bonacani, you know, put that whole thing together. It That's was a, right. It's a huge, huge thing. Anyway, he was one of my childhood favorites. Okay. Nick Bonacani played middle linebacker for the 1972 <laughs> undefeated. My, He's one of those guys who was always pictured celebrating when the last team in the NFL, uh, gotcha. last undefeated team yeah. fell, and people didn't like that very much. That's a great tough guy name, too. You don't want to fight Nick Bonacani. That's all I got. Ass. Jack Youngblood, Antonio Gates, Chad Ochocinco. Does he do anything for you? 85? I'm going to have to think about this. He was good, Chad Ochocinco. He was really good. What kind of reaction have you gotten from Lady? And did you, you said you weren't going to listen to it. We did, for people who don't know, we did a tribute to Kenny Rogers on 84. Hopefully people heard that at the very beginning last, when we dropped it last Monday. And then we did a patron show, 84P, where we took on a challenge to do a lady duet. You and I did a lady duet and you walked out of here saying, I'm not going to listen to that. (laughs) Not only did I not want to listen, I was so happy when I came in today 
and you didn't say we're singing. We're not singing. I was so happy. Should we play? My, my thought is maybe at the very end of 85, for the people that aren't patrons, uh-huh. maybe they'd like to hear our duet of, of Lady. Right at the very end, like when we ring the bell. Uh-huh. And, like, I'm, I, and I'm gone? And you're gone? Okay, please. You won't have to hear it because okay. we insert it at the Fine, end. play it. And we say yeah. like, you know, episode Paul Johns. <laughs> yes, just it's like that. The books and As ring one the bell, says, yeah. Bam. Our, our duet of Lady yeah, sure. comes on. Why not? No one makes it to the very end of these shows anyway. Back to Somebody just messaged me and said, tell Mitch to shut up about how long they are. We love it. We love the show. It doesn't yeah. matter how long they are. We listen. Tell really? him to stop talking about one it. One person. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> but he, he did also say, I, I think I speak for everybody. <laughs> like, now, one person started the coronavirus, so that's, that's we've got true. a chance. That's true. So what happened? Did you listen to Lady or not? And did you think that we, if you listened, you think we do a good job? So because I'm not driving at all, I had it on at home. I'm doing projects. I'm just trying to stay busy. I was in the middle of something. It started, and you do your part, and I'm like, okay, this is funny. It's cool. And then I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna sing next. I dropped what I was doing and ran and I jumped it off. on my phone like it was. And I'm saving my battalion from a grenade. You were good. You were better than me. You I were heard, good. I heard one word. I heard me go, lady, and then I paused it. I couldn't do it. I just I, couldn't I, do I, it. See, I don't know that I believe this. I, it's the God's honest. You're truth. sitting here telling me you still have not heard. Any of your performance. Nope. I swear on everything. I couldn't do People it's on good. Twitter I, said it sucked and we sounded all, No, you know. they said it was good on Twitter. Uh, no, they said it sucked. People were, yeah, I, I saw some negative stuff. So I was like, eh, I, they're probably right. So I, People I, liked your performance. Oh, that's nice. But I, I couldn't. Everybody I couldn't said that it. I sounded like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> really? I don't think I sounded like Kermit the Frog. Lady. <laughs> You're my knight. <laughs> well, maybe we did. So no, I, I couldn't do it. I, I, but I hate hearing myself uh, back talking. God. Forget singing. I, I just I couldn't do it. All right. So I have uh, some other questions to get. I, I got to check some of these things off the okay. list because you, you. So you're. So you've not. You're never going to listen to our beautiful duet. When I looked into your eyes and I said, "I'm your knight in shining armor." <laughs> yes. You're not going to listen to that. I don't think I have it in me. All right. What's the nonsense with the 1996 NBA Finals that I'm having trouble following on oh. on Twitter? Sometimes I come in in the middle. Yeah. And to be fair, sometimes I come in at the beginning and I can't follow things either. <laughs> well, but in this case, I think I joined some sort of dialogue that you were having with listeners about the 1996 NBA Finals. I, I sort of, I shouldn't have tagged you because I tagged you at the end of the conversation. And so I didn't it, get it. I don't know. What are you talking about? So Thanks I was, for nothing, you said uh, to me. <laughs> when so, somebody says to me, thanks for nothing, I got to find out. And I don't understand. Yeah. Explain. So I was, Explain. I was bored and I watched Game 5 of the 1996 NBA Finals. Game 5 in Seattle. Okay. I'm sure you remember that game. I was at all the city. games. Okay. I was at every one of them. I as said, I recall. Maybe, yeah, I think I was at every one of them. I went to Game 3, missed Game 4, but went to Game 5, and you took me to Game 3. That's not what you said. But I said they got their asses kicked. That's not what you said. That's not what you said. Okay. You said I took you to Game 4. And then said, thanks for nothing. I'm thinking, they won game four. Oh, did I get that wrong? Are you sure I said four? I don't even remember taking you. I, I don't, <laughs> now I wished I hadn't. I wonder if I could take that away. But you said on Twitter. Oh, I messed it you up. You took me, Mitch, took, Mitch Seattle, Mitch yeah. underscore Seattle, took me to game four. Thanks for nothing. Yeah. That's the first tweet that I got. I was like, first of all. I got to question my, why did I take, I could have taken anybody. I know. Anybody would have, I had great seats. Anybody would really have. Really good seats, yeah. Right I, in the anybody middle. Anybody would have come with me. Club I, seats, if I, I mean, remember correctly. I mean, nobody liked me, but people would have come with me to go to that game. <laughs> That's true. A, why did I take you? B, yeah. why is he ripping me 20 years later <laughs> for taking them and saying thanks for nothing when they won game four? Uh, Does it not remember. say? I can't remember. 
I can't remember. I, I may have said it wrong. Game four, they won. They fell behind 3-0. Then yes. they won game four, and I think they won game five That's also. Right. And then the they went I'll... back to Chicago and, and lost, lost game six. You took me to game three, so I must have typed it wrong. You know, the Chicago trip is where some of the great stories have come out. The, the early two games. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I, my mind is like, well, I, I can't even function right now. You've heard the, the John Bracken interview about Oh, hosting yeah, yeah. my buddy hosting Michael Jordan, getting a phone call to host Michael yeah. ja- ja- Jordan after the in between games two and three. Yeah, good seats, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great story. Yeah, that's right. So you heard that, and you've also clearly remember the C.J. Silas story in Chicago. Oh, oh do I? Do I? <laughs> Because I was running the board for you at that time. I didn't get to go to Chicago. I had to stay back in Seattle. Yeah, so I was in Chicago doing the show from that Fakakta Hotel. (laughs) We sent CJ, because if you remember, you probably don't remember this because you didn't go with us. Lady Di was in Chicago when we were there for games one and two. Really? Uh, On some other business. She wasn't there for the (laughs) NBA Finals. And so we actually sent uh, uh, CJ Silas as a man on the street to, to, to call the play-by-play of Lady Di coming out of the... We knew hotel what hotel she was saying. So we did, a, we did a play-by-play of Lady Di coming out of the Chicago hotel. Okay. And then we sent her somewhere else, and the, the, you know the story. We, she went off radar. We couldn't find her in yeah. the middle of... For the rest of the show, we couldn't find her. No all, cell phones. No cell anything. phones yeah. in that, those days. So we were wondering where she was. She's the producer yeah. and sidekick and man on the street and whatever. And we lost her. And you remember where she ended up, where she was, and how I found out where she was. I feel like the story goes that you didn't find out where she was until that episode of Oprah aired. And Lionel Richie was singing, I believe, Dancing on the Ceiling. I think that was the song. You happened to see her it on that episode? Lady. It wasn't Lady. <laughs> Did you really just happen to see yeah, her? Yeah, she was dancing with Lionel. He would go into the audience. She was there. I saw her on the episode. She was definitely on the episode of Oprah. Yeah, that's where she was missing an action. Anyway, lots of stories. So... What's the what's the story about? Why were you tw- because you would it was you on took TV? Took me to a game where they got their asses kicked. So that's why. Well, I said, that wasn't game the- four. They won game right. four. I had a, if if I said game four, it's wrong. You oh, took okay. me to game three. Okay. And I remember thinking, well, and he went for like games. forty-five, didn't he? I just, Michael, I think, went for forty-five in game three. Something I blocked like that. it out. I just remember Vincent Askew in game three. Oh, Vincent Askew. That's all I remember about that Jeez, game was him sucking names? in game three. And like ruining. How about entire- how about Vincent Askew sucking in game 14, <laughs> yeah. 12, 34. He didn't see four five. and five. I'm right, so I can check that off the list. Yes. Now I understand why okay. that that. Okay, one more thing, and these are all unrelated. I just got to get my my laundry list. What's going on with this Tiger King? Why is everybody? What is Tiger oh. King, and why is everybody talking about it? So a couple of weeks ago, when this quarantine started, I tweeted out just this is coincidentally. If anyone has any good news shows, let me know because I got plenty of time, like everyone. I got one for you. Okay, well, welcome back, Cottage. Oh, yeah. Brand new, <laughs> just started. Yeah, yeah. The Horseshack guy, I think, has a future. He's going to be a big star. Was Arnold. He, yeah, Arnold. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Ron Palillo. This is sad. Name. Rest in peace. I think he's gone. Oh, see, you, you, you know all the people who have died. It's just this morbid thing going on with you. Well, I remember seeing him in celebrity boxing and getting his ass kicked by Screech, and it kind of bummed me out that that's where he is. You know who you are. You know what you are. <laughs> God, people know these people. They're gonna people are gonna be able to resonate. This is gonna resonate with people. We all have friends. So, well, most of us. Or <laughs> go on. Or acquaintances that seem to be always that person 
who wants to tell you that somebody died, like no, a, a celebrity me. died. You're totally wrong. I'm, I'm totally right. No, no. I can tell you where I, this I comes from. I am totally right. No. When somebody, in the last few months, you have notified me. <laughs> I'm like six or eight celebrity. Like, you run to your, t- do you text everybody you know? Do, well, do you want to be the person to, you seem to have, like, take great, take Great pride in notifying the people that you know when somebody dies. <laughs> okay, that's probably true. <laughs> I know it's true. But I, I happen to know. It's clearly true. In fact, I think you once told me somebody died when they hadn't died. And you're like, sorry, some friend was <laughs> screwing around with me or something. I think, no, I, I think, I think it was going to take a, it back. A fake clowny signing maybe is oh, what I fake, said. Oh, you got faked out on a fake clowny My friends were telling me he yeah, signed. Yeah. But for 10 years, I read a morning. You guys probably didn't do this because you're doing sports. But I, there was a yeah. morning prep service that would come. And they would tell us everything. In yeah. like 35 pages. So I know everything. Oh, I know more minutiae than anybody. So that's why I happen to know no, that stuff. No, it's not that you ju- It's not that you know it. You love being the person to disseminate the information <laughs> Maybe when somebody yeah. dies. You are that guy. And you're like, oh, no, not. And you, you're, you, what you'll do is you'll text me like a link to a story. Yeah. And you'll be like, oh, no, not Kobe. You know, dot, dot, dot. Like, you, you, well, that one I couldn't believe was true. I needed you I to tell me it was fake. No, but I, I just think you liked you like spreading the news. Okay, but I... Like they say in New York, New York, start yes. spreading. You're like a news spreader. You but like you like that. On the day we were recording, there was a <laughs> death that I didn't text you about. So I'm off the hook on that one. There's on a rest this in day? peace. Correct. That we'll do later that I told you about when I got yeah. to your house. So yeah. I'm not... I don't love it as much as you might yeah, think I, I do. I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I do a little bit. All right. All right Tiger what is King. Tiger King? Yes. So somebody recommended it to me and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. What is it? It's a TV show or a movie. Oh my God, is this awesome. It's a docu-series on Netflix. So Like McMillions. Correct. We're going back to McMillions correct. again. Is it as slow as McMillions? No. Okay. It is amazing. Okay, this is about what? You're not going to believe this guy is real. He is... A big cat zoo owner. A ha- big cat zoo owner. American so, guy? Yes. He's, okay. in, he's in the middle of Oklahoma. Okay. He's got 200 lions and tigers and bobcats. Like Sig- he's Siegfried and Roy. Well, yes, but... He, he doesn't stick his head into the tiger's mouth. Oh, no, he's not afraid of them at all. He, okay. He, he had, okay. But he's a zoo, so you could pay admission to go in there and you can go pet okay. him. And okay. He's the most insane character. You oh. can't believe oh, it's he's a public, real. It's a, it's a public, public zoo. Okay. Yeah, it's a yeah. zoo. Okay, that he runs? That he runs. He Not owns owned. and runs. Oh, he owns. He owns and, or does he? Okay. Or does he? It's getting, it's, I'm only five episodes in. But you can't believe this, this is a real human. You can't believe these zoos even exist. They're clearly exploiting these little tiger cubs. Oh. They put them up next to people's faces, so take a picture. Too. Oh, the cutest thing ever, a baby oh tiger. Forget nothing, about it. Nothing cuter than a baby tiger. Forget about it. Yeah, I got the, three or four of them. <laughs> you and Mike Tyson. <laughs> so, so there's him. There's another person in Florida who hates him. She claims to be a sanctuary for big cats. They're suing each other. There's another one here. The, the story, and how long is this going to last? How, how many episodes of this? Pretty is sure it's seven episodes. Total. Yes. And it's over now. And it's on where? Where do I watch? Netflix. And do you know Dax Shepard, that name? Everybody's talking about it. Have you noticed this? Well, I was, Is it new? Yes. It's relatively new, maybe a month. But Dax okay. Shepard and Ed Norton, the two actors, are fighting over who's going to play this guy. Because he's the craziest character you've ever seen. In the in the series? No, on, on Twitter. They're going back and forth. Like, oh, I want to play they, him. And Ed Norton's like, There's nah, going to nah, be nah. a movie ultimately made about this guy. There and, has yeah. to be. And I heard Kate McKinnon from SNL owns the rights to it. You're kidding. She bought it a while ago because she knew this. Wow. Freaking. It's okay. Tiger King. It's bat shit. You're not going to believe <laughs> this story. And okay. it just like just when you think, is you it know, for the kids? It's for Max. I think Brett might be a little young. Why? Uh, Gore is some people getting killed. 
I don't know. Is an arm Sat- getting bit off? Is what? That, if somebody gets their arm bit off, is that too much? That, <laughs> if that's on film. But, you know, there's Ooh. like drugs and, and oh. you know, I just think it might be a little a little much for him. Max okay. could handle it. Okay. It's Tiger j- King. Just when you think you know what's, what okay. the story's about, it's like goes... An- should Crazy. we should we talk any sports in the first segment, or should we wait until the four interviews? <laughs> what and then we sports can do, are we going to talk about? Oh, there's sports. <laughs> okay. Well, since '84, something happened. I mean, I know that this is not going to appeal to anybody in Chicago and St. Louis. Correct. We're very concerned in the last few times about Chicago and St. Louis, but I think we should at least put a mention and give an opinion. At least I'll give you my opinion on the two items that came up for the Seahawks since '84. Now we talked about them on '84P, but remember, not everybody's a patron. That's right. I'm telling you right now, and I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. I don't want to be the guy that's texting everybody when somebody dies, okay? <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. That's so fun. <laughs> I know. You, love, you just don't want to admit it. You jump it. to your phone to tell wait. people yeah, yeah, yeah. that people die. Yeah. I, I don't get that. It's There's awesome. something morbid about that. Well, knock it to you, try it. So if, well, if it, what happens when I'm the guy? <laughs> So I so I, I guess what I'm saying is is that there's a high percentage, ladies and gentlemen, whoever's listening to this right now, a high percentage is when I go yeah. that you're going to hear it from Hot Shot Scott. Oh, too bad. <laughs> R.I.P. Hey, Steve Dion, uh, do we have a new co-host yet? <laughs> Tell me it's not true, dot, dot, dot. Oh, that was a rough uh, Anyway, oh. two things that the Seahawks did, and, and I think in the grand scheme of the NFL, they're not big. They're not huge. In fact, they're very small. In fact, I'm going to say that People around the league, you know, fans around the league probably don't even know who these guys are and what the Seahawks did. I'm just going to tell you that I, I'm, you know me, I'm Mr. Negativity. I'm the guy who looks at everything half empty, but I like the two moves that they've made in the last week since we did 84. Quinton Dunbar, this corner, he used to be a wide receiver. He went to Florida. He, I think he was an undrafted free agent, was not drafted, and then was going to be out of the league like yeah. that. And then they turned him. The Redskins did one thing. They tr- said, oh, let's try him. He's tall and lanky. Good athlete. Good yeah. athlete. Let's try him at corner. And boom, pro football focus, whom I don't know that anybody believes, but they rated him as the second best corner in the NFL last year. The second best corner only behind pro football focus. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Number 25 of the, Sherman? Of the San Francisco oh, okay. 49ers who, by the way, was a wide receiver in college when he first True. started at Stanford. Anyway, I love this. I love this idea. They, they sent a fifth-round draft choice for him, which is nothing. They get this guy who's got one year. Yeah, he's got one year left on his contract. That's why he was a fifth-rounder. He, he's squeaking. He wants more money. I think he's got a great chance of walking right in, beating Trey Flowers out for the right cornerback position. He plays right corner for the Redskins. Perfect. And what I said to you on 84P, I'll say now, and that is, let's say pro football focus is full of shit, and okay. they and they they've just got guys in their mom's basements, you know, writing down grades, and they're and they and he's not the second best corner in the league last year. Let's say they're let's say he's the 15th best corner in the league instead of the second, or the 16th, yeah. or the 14th, or the 18th, or the 20th. How? How much of a difference does that make having that guy opposite now, Shaq Griffin, instead of maybe Trey Flowers? I think that that could make a really, especially if they can get Clowney signed. And still, as we record this, there's still nothing on Clowney. Clowney, the parade has passed by. Don't listen to my friends who are texting me that they signed him. (laughs) Uh, I think that this Quinton Dunbar thing is going to be really good next year. I think it's going to be really good. I know that some free agent corners have come to Seattle in the Pete Carroll era and struggled to pick it up and pick up whatever they call the system or whatever. 
I just, I've watched this guy, watched a little film of this guy. I remember, I'm telling you, this could have a really good impact, especially now with Quandre Diggs in the back at safety uh, for a full year. They were much yep. better with him back there in, that, in those last few games after they got him at the trading deadline. Uh, if they can get... They can get down. They can get um, Jadavian Clowney back. They can get a couple of more free agent kind of rotational defensive linemen, and then they have a pretty good draft defensively. I, I really and and it, I and the other thing that they did is they brought Philip Dorsett in, the former first round draft choice, I believe, of the Colts, of the Colts mm-hmm. who ended up playing in New England with Tom Brady. Yep. He runs like a four four forty. He's another speedy receiver, pretty accomplished guy. I mean. He's not going to the Pro Bowl, but as a third or fourth or fifth receiver, I think it's a very good move to give give Russell Wilson one more weapon, one more down the field. He loves to run, go deep. Yeah, it's great. With uh, with uh, DK Metcalf, we couldn't, we come couldn't up with go over this name. DK yeah. Metcalf and uh, Tyler, whatever <laughs> his name is, big guy who has a pacifier. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, the big guy with the pacifier. Anyway, uh, I I just had to get that out. I like those two moves. I like. Those two moves. If Dunbar could give the D line, I said one extra second. That's everything, especially if they can re-sign Clowney. Giving Clowney one or two more seconds to get to the quarterback, it's huge. I love it too. We need Clowney back. We need him healthy. Yeah, he's probably pissed right now at everybody. He's pissed at the world. He's not getting the the, the six year, twenty million a year, hundred and twenty yeah. million dollar contract. He waited his whole life for this moment. He didn't get it. Yeah, the thing which about- is good for the Seahawks because if he had gotten that, he wouldn't have been here. The only reason they have a chance now to get him back is because his market value was not what he thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, he waited his whole life to be a free agent, and here's yeah. the worst timing ever. Yeah. But it, as, as far as Dunbar goes, I, I, I love that he, he feels like a Seahawks story. He got hurt on the 14th week, didn't finish out the rest of the well, season. Well, he's a problem. Injuries is a problem with him two years in a row. Right. But people, maybe he was off people's radar a bit. I eh, no, he got hurt. Let's stay away. Not the Seahawks. They love those kinds of guys, right? So guys with something to prove, maybe a little chip on his shoulder. He wants yeah. to get paid. Yeah. It feels very Seahawks to Well, me. that was it. the clowny story last year. Remember they traded for him at the beginning, right before uh, the season. He was holding out because he wanted more yep. money. He came here. They agreed that they wouldn't franchise him. He had something to prove. And unfortunately, he was in and out of the lineup again in the middle of the late season yeah. with injuries. But when, when he was in there late in the season, remember that 49ers game on Monday oh, night? Oh, I do, yes. Oh, my God. Beast. Yep. Unbelievable. If you would have said to me at the end of that game that that guy's not going to get a five- or six-year big contract, <laughs> right. which he's not going to – I would have, like – I would have, like, committed you to some asylum, for God's sake. I thought that game alone bought him his contract. Of course. Yeah. And he had other good games, but – Sort of like in college, that one hit that we always see, that one hit anyway. – Got him the first round draft pick. Remember that one hit oh, in college? Right. Yeah, yeah, the Florida Citrus Bowl. <laughs> That's all we had to see. Then he went yeah. number one overall. Oh my god, he, he, <laughs> he killed crazy. that guy. Yeah. yeah, in the back. I think his helmet went off. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, god, greatest hit ever. Anyway, all right, four, uh, four interviews, and then the other stuff segment. We got about a lot of little other stuff yep. to, to to go over on Mitch Unfiltered. Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline for the very first time is Zeke's Pizza President Dan Black. How does that sound to you, Dan? That must mean I'm important. <laughs> I don't know if you're important, but you are on the Zeke's Pizza. <laughs> Many have been on the Zeke's Pizza hotline before you. Obviously a terrible and uncertain time, and we're all trying to get through this together. What can you tell us about Zeke's Pizza? How are you guys doing? And, and give us some ideas. Like you say, I mean, it's um, undoubtedly a tough time for the restaurant industry. I mean, it's harrowing. Zeke's is lucky in that we're going to be more resilient than most simply because we have a pretty significant delivery business. You know, we're focused on 
mainly our residential delivery simply because everybody's at home. Like I say, our kind of high ground in this is uh, is delivery. And there's three ways, three very easy ways to have Zeke's Pizza at your door, right? Yep. You know, when I order, I use the app. It's the fastest and the easiest. Uh, you know, of course, that's what most people like to do nowadays, too. But you can do it online as well if you want to call. The people in our call center are extremely friendly and they're extremely good at what they do. So pretty much anybody in greater Seattle area or the east side and parts of Tacoma can call 206 285-TO-GO, which is 206-285-8646. And it's a great alternative because you and I were talking about it before we started to record. There is no evidence that the virus is transmitted through food. In fact, if a droplet were to fall on a cooked pizza, for that matter, research says that the, the virus would die. So this is a really good alternative. Pizza, home, we've got our kids home. How about kind of social distancing? How, how have you guys incorporated that into your delivery methods, Dan? Everything you're saying about food is true. There's Food's very safe. Zeke's is serious about health and safety all the time, even when it's not like this. So a lot of the a lot of stuff that's recommended and that people are doing, we do anyway. But the way we've worked social distancing in specifically to delivery is you can pay for everything, including tip, whether it's on the phone, online, or the app. And that's that's kind of always been the case. We've we've always done that. But the way we've worked it now, too, is, is you can leave a note no matter how you order, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on the mobile app or online, with a lo- drop-off location. And so you basically don't have to interact with the driver at all. That's the kind of modification we've made since this came about, which it's, it's just really easy, basically, to do a completely interaction-free transaction as long as you just leave notes as to where you want your stuff left. Dan Black, president of Zeke's Pizza. Download the Zeke's Pizza app and use it during these troubled times. We love Zeke's Pizza. It's homegrown in the Northwest, and they're a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. I am feeling so much better. I think this was the the sort of sickness that really took me out for a day, but otherwise, all of the symptoms I felt were things that I, I would push through. Any other time in my life, I would have said, I'm fine, I'm run down, I need to rest, but I can I can push through on the back end, and now I know that's that's not an option for me right now. As episode 85 continues, our next guest, formerly of ESPN, is a rising star correspondent for ABC News. And after being assigned to cover the Kirkland outbreak of COVID-19, she herself tested positive for the coronavirus. A real privilege to be joined by Kaylee Hartung. Kaylee, thank you so much for being with us. How are you feeling? That's the first question. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. And I am feeling well. I really am. It's now been... Two and a half weeks since the onset of my symptoms, and and I really do feel like like I'm back to my old self. Unfortunately, in the time that I've been isolated in my apartment, the world has totally changed. It's a different place. But I've, I've gone so far as to take a walk around my block, and, and I never knew I could feel such freedom. So uh, You realize we take some of the little things for granted when you can't do those little things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're out of quarantine. Right? You're all finished with that? I am, per CDC guidelines. I, I technically am, but I, the guidance, as was explained to me by the L.A. County Health Department, is that I should continue quarantining and social distancing, despite the fact I'm released from isolation. 
um, because those are those are the rules and, and guidance that they have for all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think anybody should be roaming freely or or in a way that that we used to know life as it was. But I'm I'm still I'm I'm sticking close to home. I'm I'm not yet not yet back in the world reporting. I've been able to work from home and and do plenty of reporting from home, some Skype interviews, Zoom, FaceTime, you know, utilizing all the technology at our disposal to correspond with people who I certainly can't go speak to in person. Yeah. Um, and and I've got a you know a camera and iPhone really set up in my in my living room that becomes my studio yeah. of sorts. So yeah. it's been a an interesting adjustment in in a lot of ways to figuring out how to make some of those technical challenges work seamlessly but yeah i'm bottom line i'm i'm sticking close to home and i don't i don't think there's any any reason quite yet for me to be um out and about you know i think it would be interesting kaylee to our listeners certainly interesting to me if we started at the beginning what's it like to get that assignment to come up to kirkland and cover the nursing home, the call from your bosses at ABC. Is it scary? Is it exciting? Did you not know as much about it as maybe you know now? Did you have a choice? Did they say, hey, Kaylee, are you comfortable going up there and covering that story? I was certainly aware of the toll that coronavirus was taking around the country. We've been covering it at ABC since the initial outbreak in Wuhan, of course. But it it hadn't resonated yet how serious the situation was at the time or could be. I certainly didn't have a crystal ball, but when I was initially asked to travel, it was first on February 28th, I believe I was asked to go to Sacramento because there was a first case of community spread. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that assignment. I was not uncomfortable in any way. Truthfully, it happened very fast. I was in Salt Lake City for a different, a completely different feature story for Good Morning America, helping a woman reorganize her closet. And so it was a quick sort of change of gears. And you're really thinking about logistics and, and how, how many days can I stay? Cause I only packed for a 24 hour trip to Salt Lake City. And so it was just sort of a rush, rush, get to Sacramento. And then Got on the ground in Sacramento, the one case of community spread there. There's a woman in, in serious condition. She was in a hospital. And you kind of the wheels kind of start turning, and you're thinking, okay, wait, community spread. This woman does not know how she became infected. We were using the line, you know, unknown lines of transmission. And you were starting to hear of a couple other cases pop up. And then it was that Saturday when the first death in the U.S. occurred right there in the Seattle area. And so then it was, okay, reset. Now it's time to go to Seattle. I mean, we knew it as soon as the email crossed. And it was then, it was then when we were headed to Seattle from Sacramento that I called ABC's chief medical correspondent and said, what do I need to know? How careful do I need to be? How concerned do I need to be? for my own safety? What precautions do we need to be taking? And that was a very serious conversation that I had in the Sacramento airport before I even boarded the plane to Seattle. I had a boss at ABC call and say, are you comfortable with this? And I said, I said, now I realize naively, I said, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm comfortable with this. You know, I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm not worried for my own 
my own health here. If I do get the virus, I'm sure I'll be fine. But we've, we've got to go. We've got to send somebody there. And um, I was honored to have that privilege for ABC News and looking forward to the chance to be able to help people around the country better understand what was happening in, in Washington. How long were you here covering the Kirkland Nursing Home and how close did you get? What kind of exposure did you have to the people that were living there? I was in, I was in Kirkland for one week. One week. Uh, Saturday to Saturday, mm-hmm, that first week of March. And the experience was just surreal. I mean, we went to we went to Life Care for my first live shot on television, which was Sunday morning for Good Morning America. And it was four o'clock in the morning when you take the time difference into account. And we were outside this nursing home, you know, which is on a, a residential street. Yep. And there were a couple other cameras set up outside and it was quiet and we all knew the news that we needed to, to deliver in that moment. And we came back that afternoon for world news. And that was the first time I saw ambulances pull up and I saw a resident of life care rolled out on a stretcher and put into the ambulance by emergency personnel wearing masks and gowns. And for me, that's when it all became very real. And every day for the next week, at one point or another, we saw that scene repeated. Another person rolled out on a stretcher, put into an ambulance, and then you'd hear the death toll rise. It was just stunning. And then after you would see those scenes unfold, you know, the next day we would meet a a family whose loved one is a resident at life care and who can't get answers or someone who just lost a parent and, you know, no names were being associated with the death toll as it would climb. And so, you know, you were never quite sure who you'd seen come out on a stretcher and, and what their fate was. And was that, this woman's mother who we just met um, who's telling us about the phone call she received to tell her that her mother passed away. You know, it was an out of body experience almost in trying to connect all of the dots, but the mission for me as a journalist very quickly became the most pure mission that you can have as a journalist to educate the audience at home watching about what's going on to give them that firsthand account of what you're seeing. But then also all I wanted to do was to help the families who have loved ones at life care get answers. It was just unbelievable. The lack of information that was being shared with them. The fact that the people who were there couldn't get tested. It was a week after the place first sort of went into lockdown before they even had the supplies to test everyone in there family members who were just begging for answers and couldn't get them. So I wanted so badly to give those families a voice to help them hold life care and government officials accountable. We heard press conferences where local officials were saying all the right things, but, but there wasn't action behind a lot of those words. It was a struggle as the week progressed to continue to shine a light on what was going on at life care, because as you'll remember, I'm sure the first case of coronavirus popped up in New York City. And not surprisingly, but sadly, 
I think a lot of media organizations focus um, redirected to New York very quickly. How many were on your crew and were you guys going back and forth from the nursing home to the hotel every night for this week, worried about getting sick, you know, quickly washing your hands? And did anybody else on your crew get sick that you know of? So we had a five-person crew, myself, two producers who are based in L.A., and a photographer and an audio guy who were based in the Seattle area. And going back to that conversation that I had with our medical expert when I was on my way to Seattle, the advice she gave me was, you need to be more vigilant than you've ever been in your entire life about where you put your hands. You know, if it's a doorknob, use your sleeve, you know, as a, as a buffer between right. your hand and the doorknob. Yes. Of course, wash your hands at, at every opportunity. But when we first went there, we weren't, we, we didn't go with any protective gear. We didn't go with masks or gloves. Like I said, we were sent from another assignment. And even though that was a coronavirus-related assignment, you weren't yet seeing people wearing masks and gloves right. walking down the street as you do now. Right. We were sent some personal protective gear a couple of days into our assignment there. But still, we, we, weren't, we weren't wearing it. You know, we didn't, we, to our knowledge, we were not having any contact with anyone who tested positive. Now, we realized in the course of our conversations with some people who had family members at Life Care that they'd been inside that building, yep. you know, as soon as recently as three or four days prior. Yep. So the fact that the, the guideline at the time was, well, if you haven't tested positive and if you don't have symptoms, you're fine. Right. But if you've been around somebody who's tested positive and you have symptoms and you should quarantine, like, Nobody was getting tested at that point. I don't know why we thought anybody would know if they were positive, because at that point, the entire discussion was just beginning about the research that was being done to suggest that the virus had been quietly spreading for weeks and was being spread by people who didn't even know they had the virus. Right. So, you know, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we can look back and think about ways we could have been more careful, but we didn't know how how quietly this virus was spreading. And to this day, I still do not know who I had contact with who would have given me the virus or where I would have been exposed. And everybody on your crew is okay, was okay? Nobody came up with symptoms? One of my producers also had symptoms. We were on the same timeline huh. in, in terms of our development of symptoms. I was able to get tested before him. I think it's sort of a sad illustration of a, a tale of two tests in that he and I have different insurance. And I was able to beg and plead for a test uh, before he was. And then he wasn't able to get tested until he was able to call his healthcare provider back and say that I tested positive. And then he was tested, but that was, oh gosh more than 10 days ago and he still hasn't oh received his result. Oh my God, Kaylee. So we've been assuming all the while, that you know, is. as soon as we developed symptoms, we both began quarantining. And then as soon as my test came back positive, we assumed that 
he was as well. You came back to L.A. from Seattle, and we've we've heard all that we've mm-hmm. all heard the scientists say that the most destructive element of this virus virus is the silence. While it takes time to develop symptoms, you don't know you have it, but you're contagious before you have symptoms. It's too late, right? Exactly. And so now you're back on a plane to L.A. with no symptoms. You're in close quarters with the people that you're traveling on the plane with. You're at home, presumably with friends potentially spreading the the virus you must have felt horrible having to go back to the people that you had contact with after you found out or you started getting symptoms and you found out that you tested positive that must be a terrible feeling yeah it was the worst part of this entire experience it was absolutely the worst part of this entire experience now, thankfully, I just moved to L.A., so I don't know that many people here yet. Uh, so I, I mean, so I've been around many folks. Uh, but actually, today, I just got news, you know, speaking of the, how long it can take to get test results back, I'd gone to a dinner party at a, a friend's house a couple of nights after I got back and before I developed symptoms. And it was actually, ironically enough, a welcome to L.A., Kaylee dinner. And they were introducing me to a couple of their friends that they hoped could become my friends. And then and then I had to call everybody at dinner and oh, tell them that God. I was positive for coronavirus and I hope they still want to be my friends. Oh, um, but the point of this whole story is to say that the couple who hosted the dinner party, they ended up being able to get tested at a drive-through facility oh, yeah. here in yeah. L.A. And their results just came back today, again, something like 10 days after they got tested, but they were negative. We just, we actually just had a very interesting conversation about the fact that, that as soon as I told them I was positive, they began quarantining out of that abundance of caution. And they've continued to quarantine. Now LA is in this, um, you know, safer at home, stay at home, whatever the, the, the verbiage is the, the mayor is using now. Um, but everyone's being asked to stay home. So now they're just getting their negative test results back and they've been assuming that they had it. So it was a conversation of, well, would you have rather the results been positive? Because then you, you know, you've done everything the right way to protect yourself and others. And you also would, would you would think uh, be building up that immunity to it. And then you're safe moving forward. You know, cause that's, those are the conversations I'm now having with a lot of people of what, what does this mean for me now? How far out of the woods am I? What is my, what does my immunity look like? How soon could I get get this virus again, if ever? How long could any of us who've had it actually be carrying it? And the fact of the matter is, you know, the CDC still needs to do more testing on on people like me and anyone who's tested positive to to figure out some of those data points and. The next step I'm interested in taking for the purpose of, of, of storytelling and informing people as a journalist is uh, to join a clinical trial where they're testing blood for antibodies and then to see if I could be helpful yes. in donating yes. plasma yes. to help save lives that are, that are fighting the virus yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah, Not to get too personal with you, Kaylee, but we're fast friends now. What kind of symptoms did you have? Oh, this isn't. This doesn't feel personal at all. After I shared on Good Morning America, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable talking about it all. My symptoms were mild, and I I've had the flu worse than what I experienced. And I know that that many cases of coronavirus, COVID nineteen, are much more serious than mine. 
But what I want my story to illuminate for people is that even these mild symptoms have to be taken so seriously because clearly you're still capable of spreading the virus. I never felt like my health was at serious risk. So it started with, um, I woke up with sort of a sore neck, back ache, just kind of some uncomfortable body aches and really thought that I just slept wrong, you know, slept, slept a little crooked or something. And then that night I got a runny nose and, uh, and I thought it was allergies. And then the next morning I woke up and I think we've all had this feeling when you have the flu or when your body's run down and it just sort of shuts down on you. But as soon as I woke up the next morning, I knew immediately something was wrong. Like I'd had the flu in the past. And that's when I realized, oh man, I've got this headache that's just right between my eyes. Those body aches that I was discomforted by yesterday, that has now escalated to a pain in my lower back as if I just tried to lift you know, lose something 500 pounds the day before and then just thrown it out. But it, it felt like I was like a wind-up doll and somebody was just turning the key in my back and just tightening and tightening it. And then, um, and I was just fatigued. I mean, no desire to get out of bed whatsoever. And at some point I got up and I was actually on the phone trying to figure out how to get tested because because of where I'd been, ABC especially, and, and our our medical experts thought I needed to get tested, even though my symptoms were mild. It was more so because of where I'd been. We needed to figure out what was going on. So then I, I got the chills and I crawled back in bed and I woke up, I don't know, two or three hours later and I was in a full sweat. So at some point a fever spiked. Yeah. But what was strange is the next morning when I went to go get tested, I almost didn't go because I was already feeling better. It seemed strange to be to be going to the lengths of getting tested. But now I'm, I'm so glad that I did. I feel really fortunate that I was able to get tested and get my results back in a timely manner. It's just baffling how long this is taking. And, and I really sympathize with people who, who, who can't get tested and who are being told they won't be tested because their symptoms are too mild. So I recognize the, how valuable these tests are for people who do have really serious symptoms and, and who need to be hospitalized. I was worried that I would be opening myself up to criticism when I shared the story publicly for, for getting a test, but medical experts agreed that it was, it was a good idea to test me given where I've been. And now I just hope that my story can help people understand that these mild symptoms, these mild symptoms that you can pass off as a common cold or allergies or you're worn out or, you know, whatever excuse you want to make, right. there are no excuses to be made right now. These mild symptoms have to be taken seriously and everybody is safer at home right now. Well, you're terrific. You're terrific to share it on Good Morning America. You're terrific to share it on different radio shows and our little show here. Uh, before you run on me, I heard you say in a recent interview and I, I'm just curious because of uh, being in the business, maybe nobody would be interested in this except for me, so I apologize. But you, you said something to someone about how initially, before we knew the extent of the virus, that your coverage was criticized, that you were getting hammered when you were up here in Seattle because people thought you were making a mountain out of a molehill, right? Talk about that for just a second. Talk about that. I think everyone in the media has, has heard that Forest ringing of the flu kills more people than this virus is. Why is why is media creating this hysteria? I mean, you don't have to go far on Twitter to see to see somebody still spouting that narrative after after seeing 
bodies come out of life care on stretchers. I have no problem going to the mat with anybody who wants to try to tell me that this virus is overhyped. I've seen the human toll firsthand. I have spoken to people who have lost loved ones. This virus is killing people. It's killing some of the most vulnerable among us. And I think we all need to be good citizens of the world here and do our part to protect our neighbors and those we love. Yep. We had on our last episode the son of one of the first victims of the coronavirus from that Kirkland nursing home. He was brave enough to share the story of how quickly his mother went downhill and and we we lost her. So I I get it. I get Mm -hmm. it. And I am truly, I, I know our listeners are truly appreciative, Kaylee. We're, first of all, we're thrilled you're feeling better, but you're young and vibrant and uh, you're back on your feet in no time. I know a lot, of our, a lot of our victims of this horrible epidemic and pandemic, not the same. So we, all of our hearts go out to those people and their families. I'm thrilled that you're feeling great. And I, I can't wait to, to be able to talk sports with you on the next next time you come on. Let's talk about something that's not so heavy. Let's chuckle and talk a little bit about sports and your and your history at ESPN and your life in Louisiana and the LSU Tigers national champions. There's so much that we could talk about that's more uplifting the next time. I would love that, Mitch. Thank you so much for your thoughtfulness. I appreciate it a ton. And for the record, I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. So. <laughs> There you go. Happy to come back anytime. (laughs) Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, Mitch. Kaylee Hartung, ABC News correspondent with a sobering tale of being assigned to cover the Kirkland nursing home story for seven days and then testing positive for COVID-19 upon returning home to Los Angeles. Where would Mitch Unfiltered be without partners like Daniels Broiler? Not very far is the answer. And you don't need me to tell you that we must support local businesses and families like the Schwartz family during these times. It's vital. The same family that owns and operates Daniels also has Schwartz Brothers Bakery and Brenner Brothers Bakery, known since 1903 for their traditional bagels and rye bread. Founded in 1973 to make pies and other desserts for their restaurants, Schwartz Brothers Bakery now offers a delicious selection of the fresh breads, bagels, dinner rolls, hamburger hot dog buns, as well as pastries like cinnamon rolls and coffee cake and Danish, and so much more at QFC, Fred Meyer, Safeway, Albertsons, Metropolitan Market, PCC, and other local supermarkets. For a limited time, you can also find Schwartz Brothers Bakery, frosted shortbread cookies, and lemon bars at select Costco warehouses. Schwartz Brothers and Brenner Brothers, proud to continue to provide the community with bread and essential baked goods during these challenging times. It allows them to keep many of their team members employed and look forward to the day when Daniel's Broiler locations can reopen and those valuable team members can come back to work. Daniel's Broiler, Schwartz Brothers Bakery, and Brenner Brothers Bakery, staples of the Northwest community forever. Unfiltered. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell sent a memo to teams last night saying in part that he recognizes the uncertainty surrounding public health, but that there's no assurance a different date with significantly better conditions can be secured. He added, quote, I also believe that the draft can serve a very positive purpose for our clubs, our fans, and the country at large. And many of you have agreed. 
He went on to say that any public discussion of draft-related issues serves no useful purpose and its grounds for disciplinary action. Well, this is going to be, I think, can I say the most different? That's not real good English. This is going to be a different chat with our old friend Jason Lockenfor. You see, for so many years, Jason has been kind to not only us, but schlubs all over the country who've been calling him. Hey, will you come on our radio show? Will you come on our radio show? And Jason, you've been saying yes for like, what, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years? I don't know how many years you're saying yes to everybody. And you probably were wondering, why am I saying yes? Why am I doing all of these radio shows? Well, you're now, uh, you are right. now finding out. The- <laughs> yeah. It was prep work for my my second career. That who knows it, oh. it might become my first career sooner rather than later. Who the hell knows? So tell everybody. Um, ten, ten, you are ten days as of the recording of this. This will obviously be released on the Monday on day eleven of your. You have accepted. That'll be, no, that'll be day sixteen. Oh, sorry, that'll be day, day 16. sixteen. That's right, fifteen days. That'll be day sixteen. Jason, sixteenth Lock- show. Jason Locken four, the greatest guest. In the history oh, of sports on. radio, is Get now is now a co-host of Baltimore's PM Drive on which to tell us would it be like KJR? Would it be like Cairo? This, what is yeah, it? Yeah, this is Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan from two to six Eastern yeah. weekdays. So yeah. that's eleven to three your guys' time. We are the Entercom Sports Talk affiliate. Uh huh. So you can get us on the radio.com app. You can listen from anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of a national local show because I have a lot of friends in the, you know, in the industry who I'm able to kind of bug. So, you know, Rich Eisen, Dan Patrick, Tony Kornheiser, you know, we've had a lot of those guys on and, and, and we'll have more. Um, I think Boomer's coming on, Boomer Sison's coming on Monday, Phil Sims. A lot, of my, a lot of my CBS buddies, a lot of people I've worked with, in the past, it, it's certainly. I mean, it's a Baltimore show. It's hyper local at times, but yeah, I mean, we're trying to we're, we're we're trying to sort of raise the level of sports discourse in the city a little bit. We're trying to educate people. We're trying to expose them to great guests. We're we're kind of trying to fill a void here because uh, I I love the Baltimore Sun. I grew up as an intern at the Baltimore Sun, but there aren't a whole lot of really strong sports voices in this town. So we're my partner Ken Wyman and I are, are kind of coming at it from that sort of angle where we want to we don't want this to be johnny white guy radio we don't want this to be lowest common denominator radio um we're obsessing about every detail from the songs we play to how we frame questions to how we structure shows any given day we want it to be diverse we want to have a medley of voices we want to try to create a community of people who are coming on regularly or fairly regularly we want to present athletes as human beings as people who are not just cogs to win you bets or win you fantasy football games who have lives outside of football baseball basketball mostly here football and and baseball we're kind of a two-sport town but but to to try to I don't know, help us all sort of evolve a little bit in how we look at sports and and to lift things up instead of drag them down. Uh, And so we'll see. I don't know. I'm 15 shows in. I still don't really know what the hell I'm doing, but we're having a lot of fun. It it obviously was a bizarre time to launch a show for myriad reasons from oh. a from a sponsoring standpoint from a sponsorship oh standpoint from a marketing standpoint from a content standpoint literally we got on air and the most you know one of the three most prominent athletes in this city Trey Mancini unfortunately is diagnosed with with cancer and we're, that was going into our first show and 
I knew what was going on. And I wasn't at liberty to say everything that was going on. And a lot of people in the city were pretending like this guy had a hangnail. So I went from getting my head around that to by Wednesday of that week, you had sports leagues basically shutting down one after the next. And these are first world problems. Like I, 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 I feel truly blessed to have this opportunity for four hours a day to try to make people think differently or, or, or entertain them or educate them or provide an escape. So I, I, I feel honored to have this platform at this particular time. But it was a lot for Ken and I to kind of start sorting through as we're just starting to get chemistry and we're just starting to figure out bits and things that work. And then literally the sports landscape is changing dramatically every 12 hours in ways no one would have ever fathomed in February. You know what I mean? Like, it's just been crazy. So what does the sound of the show – first, okay, I got so many questions. I don't even know where to begin. We'll, we'll be here till the next – so you'll miss your show on Monday if if we're here long enough. Where first of all, for all of your fans, and you got a lot of fans here in the Northwest. From, I love from, Seattle, man. From your I, years I, with I, me I, and the you rest of the guys at KJR. So, I feel like I've always been simpatico with people out there. I love that place. There's not many places in this in the world that I would leave Baltimore for. You know what I mean? And that would be really really far for grandparents and all that stuff. But I, I Seattle is. Amazing. So where do they the listen? Out there how do so they cool. listen? How do how do our listeners listen to you? Uh, just on the radio.com app, and then you can okay. also go to 1057thefan.com, okay. and you can stream from there. And we're repurposing and repackaging a lot of the interviews and a lot of these segments, you know, as sort of their own mini podcast. But not the whole so, show. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, not hard to You're find. not repurposing the whole show, right? No, we're trying to splice it up and make it more digestible. <laughs> um, I I think radio.com at uh, one point was talking about replaying the whole show, yeah, but yeah. I'm not really sure exactly where that stands right now. But okay. but we can listen to it they're live. They're pushing right we'll now. The big live. push is yeah. because drive time radio has changed. People aren't driving to work. I mean, our traffic reporter someday, she's like, yeah, there's there's nobody out there. Like, <laughs> you know. And you're not going God into the speed. studio. Have you're, another crab cake. You're not, only, you're not only launching a show, your first ever show with a new partner at a time of the COVID-19 crisis yeah. and, and sports shutting down, not only are you trying to launch it at that moment, but you're not even in the studio, right? You're at home, he's at home, and you're trying to do this yeah. technologically somehow, right? Yeah, I mean, we were, after our seventh or eighth show, we got called into our PD's office, and he's like, hey, I need you guys to get here early tomorrow because I got to show you how to work these sort of mini boards because I'm pretty sure that corporate's going to decide by the end of the week that this building is going to be closed, except for like certain Purdue, like it'll only be by the end of my first week, they were already starting to cut access down to the building. By the middle of my second week, there was only like 12 people who were allowed in the building. And then by the end of that, two days later, by that Friday, they sent us home with these, I don't even know what the hell they're called, but these, I took it up to my attic. Right. And basically now only like three people are allowed into the actual building itself, one of whom is our producer, Alex Woodward. And there, yeah, so I'm in my attic, and Ken, my partner, like he's single, he has a condo that's small, and he, got a, he adopted a puppy like <laughs> uh, three weeks ago. Yeah. So this puppy, Brucey, like he doesn't, you know what I mean? He's not. So Ken's on his couch or at his dining room table and I'm watching him <laughs> on um, FaceTime basically, or like the Android equivalent of FaceTime. And I'm watching this puppy gnaw on his fingers and like, now you know how it ears, feels. and he's trying now to do these know, interviews. You, now you know how it feels. 
Now you know how we yeah. felt all these years with Copper locking lock and four, and I think but Copper's see, predecessor. Thing, we put a barricade up, so Copper can't get up to the attic. But I do have to go through Chloe's room to get up there, so she'll be doing like an online class for her high school or she's in a play that they haven't canceled yet. So she'll be having an online, like a zoom play practice and I have to cut through there to get there. But we've, we have been good. Copper, thank God has not gotten up the steps yet, or he'd have to get up two levels of steps to get there. So he hasn't been a problem. Um, but yeah, it's just weird. You're, you're trying to build some momentum and it just feels like, yeah. you know what I mean? There's, there's all these hurdles, yeah. but again, like it's not a big deal. And I, I think the shows have been a lot of fun and we've got tremendous feedback. I'm sure it's and whenever great. we do get back to normalcy, I just feel like we'll really up. be able to like be yeah. shot out of a rocket yeah. because of all of this. And, and, and we've been forced to get out of our sort of comfort zones from a, from the immediate stage, which I think will be awesome when we get back to, the Orioles are playing every night and the three of their or four or five of their affiliates are playing every night. And then we're into the football season and there's just so much there. But I, I think, you know, that'll make everything seem easy when we get to that point. It's going to be great. You're going to be great. Now you got a sense of what it feels. It kind of feels like when you're when you have one of your favorite guests on the show and he's in the kitchen making noise with the with the silverware and and doing his and doing stuff, his bills honestly like now that on the other side i actually feel like you know what like i didn't you know what i mean like it was good that i was like wtf you know what i mean that it was kind of laissez-faire and it's like what is this jackass going to do next like i just i it, i think it worked you know what i mean but I, I i think in my own way i was always ready to go squirreling away little things you know what i mean as okay. i did these i don't know how many call I, I had Ken Rosenthal on the other day, and Kenny's one of my mentors, and he started telling stories about when I was a junior in college and an intern at the Baltimore Sun, <laughs> yeah. some stuff I had forgotten about. And I think the first call-in I ever did, Buster only was the beat writer, and he would haze me. Like, he was great for me, but I was an idiot. I didn't know what I was doing, so he would haze me all the time. And he would, like, call my – like, and I lived my, with my parents. I'm a junior. You know, it's my, my, the summer after my junior year of college. And he would just decline radio interviews and pass them off to me without telling me. So, like, the phone would ring at, like, 6.15 in the morning in the kitchen, and I'd be here, and I'd run downstairs, and it would be like a radio station in Toronto because the Orioles were playing the Blue Jays. And they'd be like, yeah, um, is this Jason? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, you're the backup beat writer for the Orioles, right? Buster only said we should call you. You know, he can't do this interview. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you, what are you talking Like, I was, you know what I mean? I was still drunk from the night before. I'm like, what are you talking about? So that's where it kind of started. And I feel like in my own way, all these different experiences with all these different stations and all these different markets and people who I super duper respect and I'm stealing from like you and people who, you know what I mean? Frankly, it's like, this is a chore, you know, like this feels like a chore, like this dude, you know what I mean? This dude's not prepared. Like this dude isn't asking me the right stuff. Like this dude is not locked in. It, it kind of runs the gamut. And I, I, I knew this is something I always felt passionately about. And I love Baltimore. I love this city. I love the people here. And I, I would never want to do a national show. This is exactly what I want to do is a show here. I think in my own way, I was always kind of preparing and, and sort of squirreling things away. And the people that I really respect and have stolen from, like, I, I you know, I, I'm emulating a lot of things, sometimes consciously and sometimes I think subconsciously. It's going to be great. I'm sure it already is great, but you've been dealt a tough hand to come out of the box with. So as you say, I, I completely agree. These challenges that you unfortunately have to deal with that none of us, when we started, had to deal with, it's going to make you better. And, and when it gets back to some sense of normalcy and you guys get into the studio, 
you're going to just hum along. It's going to be fantastic. Jason Lockenfora in his own well, – so two to six. So our time out here – 11 to 11, three, 11 to three. 11 to three. All right. Yeah. So we're all listening to you on radio.com. I can't have you on. Everybody's here uh, – well – yeah, obviously put it in its proper perspective with all the things that are the real life stuff that's going on. But once yeah. you get, once you get beyond the real life stuff and you get into the make believe stuff, we're still wondering about Jadeveon Clowney. We're, we're stunned a, that it hasn't happened somewhere by now. I know I'm stunned. I thought he would command 20 million. I know he only got three sacks, but if you, if you watched him like I did and we all did on a game by game basis, when he was healthy, man, he was, he was a record machine for the Seahawks. The three sacks is not indicative to the kind of pass rusher he was. I would have thought he would have got 20 million, 19, 20 million. It sounds like the market just crumbled on him. What do you know about that story? He, he overshot his mark and, the, the price point that, that he and his, well, I should say him, it's his, it's his representatives, were putting out there, really going back to the combine, we're, we're kind of leaving people a little bit jaws agape. And not that anybody talk numbers the way they normally would early on this year because of, are we going to have two tags? Are we going to have one? You know what I mean? Is, is there is there going to be a new CAB, CBA? Is it there? There was all that stuff hanging over it. So that muddled the water's you know, muddied the waters, whatever, more than usual. And then he's looking to reset the market for edge players. And people out there are like, well, I mean, Bosa's going to get a new deal. You know what I mean? There's going to be some guys who, who really bring it from a pass rush standpoint down in, down out, and who have the numbers to back it up. Who, who No, those guys are going to get that kind of money. So are we willing to do this? And if that's who this guy was, why did Houston let him go? And even though Bill O'Brien makes more mistakes than anybody, like still, what's going on there? They paid half this guy's salary just to get him out of there. And the medicals and certain teams had red flags going back to South Carolina. And this was a market where you really needed to be right. And it was hard to be right because of all these various factors I'm talking about. And this was unusual. And then you can't take physicals and, everything, you know, all all the the coronavirus impact on it and the league cramming this, you know, league year down everybody's throats when football people didn't want anything to do with it that particular week. I I think he got kind of left in the dust. And the teams that wanted pass rush felt like other guys, especially in this climate where we might not be able to get a full medical on them, we might not be able to fly them in, we can't fly our guys there just kind of went in another direction. And once that money's gone, it's gone. I mean, we talk about cap. I mean, cap is like the great, it's the greatest thing these owners have going for them because we get caught up in, in this funny money and nobody talks about real money. But ultimately, it's cash budgets. And once you're paying your Fowlers and once you're paying your Jason Pierre-Pauls and, you know, these other guys, it's like, well, no, we've already done our thing. And, yeah, he's still out there, but I'm still not giving him 19 or 20. So I, I, all my reporting for a while now has been, even before the league year started, I thought he'd be back in Seattle. Now, at what price point? I don't know. How short of a deal? Uh, maybe just one year. But I don't see the pot of gold on the other side of the rainbow. And I think you and I talked and a while back yep. when maybe the season was still going on and you, you know, you're talking, oh, is it going to be $100 million? And I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, like I, uh, I just, I mean, if he gets 12 sacks or something, maybe, but – it's kind of a weird case, and he fits there perfectly, and they have more cap room 
than they've normally had, and they haven't done anything outlandish. And I think that's in part because they want to have the reserves there for whenever the appropriate time is. And I'm also not I'm not buying this idea now that he's going to wait forever, July or August. I mean, what's what's really going to happen? There's going to be no off season. It's not going to be OTAs. It's not going to be mini camps. How are you going to do that? You have some states that are completely shut down. Other states that are pretending there's nothing to see here. Like the NFL is going to be the arbiter of all that. They don't want to wade in. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to be proactive. But I also don't know anybody in the league, including the league office, who really thinks things are going to open after this draft. And yeah, they're dead set on doing this draft when they're doing it. There's not going to be any way to interact with these players. So. For Jadavion Clowney, and you're talking about probably another prove-it deal, albeit an expensive one, why go somewhere else? You're not going to have any time to be around the coaches. You're not going to be able to learn the new scheme. You're not going to know your teammates. You're talking about uprooting yourself. I don't know, you go to the Jets or the Giants or some crap team like that for one year for you know $50 more. And I, I, I think he's going to be in Seattle. And I have for a while. And I'm with you. I think he's better than – Obviously, the raw numbers say, and I think especially for the Seahawks, it's imperative that they keep them. But I don't know who they're, you know what I mean? I don't really know who they're bidding against. I mean, again, unless you, the agent gets the Jets or the Giants or one of these teams that has a lot of space just to, to do it. But I, I just think if, if they looked at him as somebody they were going to build around for the next three to five years, it would have already been done. Real quickly, uh, you're in Baltimore, so you're down the street from the Redskins. This guy that the Seahawks acquired for a fifth rounder, mm-hmm. the cornerback, yeah. everybody wants us to believe that this is like Richard Sherman revisited. He was a wide receiver in college, well, and, and he's just co- he's come out of the woodworks. He's like a diamond in the rough, and they've got themselves a topish, a topish tier. Now, I don't know if he's pro football he's focused. He's going to know how to use this kid. Yeah, no, he's, 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 a, he's a good ball player. And he's self-made, and he got better every year, and he's been one of the few player development success stories that the Redskins have had in quite a while. I kind of It kind of reminds me of the trade they made with the Lions. What was that? Was that a five? I don't remember the compensation, but the guy is much better than... For Diggs uh, or yeah, whatever? Yeah, yeah, for yeah Quanier Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, he was, he's, I think he was great here. I think it's a similar kind of deal where his own team... Because they brought him in low, and, and I think there's a little bit of a bias there, and maybe they don't think he's as good as he is, and they think he's asking for too much. And, you know, wait, we could find another. We found him on the street. We'll find another guy on the street. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe you will, and maybe you won't. But what Pete's done with that secondary and, and knowing who fits and who doesn't fit and certain body types, and, you know, certain things they look for that they just know is going to be seamless. I, I, I think it's go- I, I do think it's going to be a steal for them. And I, I think their gain is, is Ron Rivera's loss. And I, I get, I, I, you know, I kind of get where Ron Rivera is because that locker room has been toxic, freaking yeah. dumpster fire forever. Right. Yep. So he's coming in saying, I got to figure out who really wants to be here. Right. And I got to, whatever I could do. And again, it's all FaceTime. It's all phone. It's phone calls. Cause he can't, nobody's even in the building, but I, I got to sort that out. And I got to keep those guys and figure out who's a core guy. And if you really don't want to be here, and with all the shenanigans with Bruce Allen and how personal it got between the front office and the locker room, I'm just some of these cats are just going to have to go, you know, and they're going to end up getting less for Trent Williams than he's worth, but they're going to have to end that charade. And, you know, I, I think this was, was kind of another example of that, the situation with Dunbar. But, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I look at some of these deals. I mean, Baltimore, Calais Campbell for a five. Come on, man. I mean, like, 
it's just, you know what I mean? Darius Slay for a three and a five. Like, hats off, Howie. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why certain teams are always successful, and there's a reason why other teams are certain st- teams stinker. never are, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and I think this is yet another example of that. It's stability versus instability. If Ron Rivera really knew this player, if he had time to spend with him, if, if he had been there for any period of time, I think he would say, I'll be able to talk to this kid, relate to him, and we'll make, we'll make him some money here. But that's not where they are right now, and John Pounce, then good for him. Real, real, real quickly, do you think he's making a mistake by not extending him now and letting him play out the year because they'll be in a position where they'll lose him next year or they'll have to franchise him next year if he's really, really good like everybody thinks Yeah, he but might I mean, be. even if they do that, even if they do that and he crushes it, you're talking about getting a three farm. That's right. So you're still winning. I mean, it's a lot like Clowney, and Clowney's not going anywhere now like we talked about because this thing has evolved in a way that I don't think anybody would have thought, you know what I mean, last summer when they acquired him or whatever. But you buy that low on him, even if it turns out to be a one-year rental, he's going to make the team better. He may really love it out there. If he doesn't and he hits a home run, then then Godspeed. We rented you one year for a five. You help further solidify a playoff team. And we're going you know, to draft your replacement with the compensatory pick we get for you. It uh, it's going to be very interesting. They really need a guy at that spot. I believe. I don't know if everybody agrees with me, but I think that uh, the guy they've got playing that spot, Trey Flowers, I think they could certainly use an upgrade. And apparently they got it. Listen, Jason Lock and Fora. I mean what I'm about to say. For years and years and years, you came on our radio show and now the podcast. And for years and years and years, I'd get off on Tuesday mornings at about 10 a.m. Pacific time, and I'd say to myself on the drive home. Why doesn't somebody hire that effing guy to do a radio show in Baltimore, for God's sakes? And I would say this to myself for years, and we were so lucky to have you, and I know that you were eager to do this, and I'm just going to tell you, I am so not only happy for you, much more than being happy for you, I'm thrilled for you, but I'm really happy for Baltimore because they're getting the man. I mean, they, they, they can't do, they cannot do, I don't know about this other schlub you got working for you. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who he is. I can't, I can't endorse him, but Baltimore is really, really lucky to have a guy like you for four hours a day. Once we get back to normalcy on the drive home. So I'm tickled. I'm rooting for you. I'm, I hope you can feel it. I'm cheering for you from no, out here in Seattle. No, and I just, you're, you're going to knock them dead. You're going to be great. Thanks. No, I'm, I'm going to bring, you know, I, I, I try to bring energy and passion and, you know, my reporting chops and, and my contacts every day and, and, you know, try to give people a, a reason to tune in. And I, I couldn't be more motivated. And again, I owe you a debt of gratitude. I mean, you guys for having me on forever and letting me kind of be part of the band. And I, I mean, I can remember one, like there were times where I went to a studio a couple of times. Like yes, I remember once yes. the day after opening day and yes. I was still basically... Yes. Probably could have. <laughs> I don't, probably could have got a DUI driving in there. I don't know. Um, from the night before, no, I wasn't that whack. But I mean, time's kind of filling in, and and just let me be a part of the band, and right. how much fun we had hanging okay. out when I was out in Seattle, and seeing how you guys played off each other, and you know what it's like to be a part of a well-oiled machine. And again, there's a lot of elements that I'm sure we're stealing. 
consciously or subconsciously, but it ain't, it, it definitely ain't me. Like it, it, no one person can drive it themselves. I've got an awesome producer. He's got great ideas. He's a lot younger than us. You know what I mean? He, yeah, he's yeah, bringing a different sort of yeah, perspective to it yeah. that I think will help us yeah. bring in millennials. Yeah. It's not get off, you know, my lawn radio and, and Ken, my, my partner who, who's driving, He's a pro. He's a pro's pro. He worked in Portland a okay. long, long time ago. Okay. He, he's worked in a bunch of different markets. Good. He's from this area. Good. No, it's it's awesome, man. It, it's I couldn't be happier, and uh, hopefully, it's something I, I I'm I'm you know lucky enough and blessed enough to do. Calgary, thirty years, but I owe you a debt of gratitude. No, you don't owe like, me anything. I, you don't owe me a damn I absolutely thing. Absolutely, do. You don't owe me a damn thing. Calgary sharpened your teeth for this. You're going to be a success because of Calgary. <laughs> Hey, I love the Shanks, Shanks Sports Bar on Crowfoot Crow, Crow Drive North. They've actually got two locations now, Shanks. They've been sponsoring me for probably 12 years. No, the guys in Calgary are awesome. Boomer in the morning. Like, yeah. they, dude, they're they're legit. So, anyway, I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm overwhelmed for, to, to have this opportunity. And, yes, do I think it was, should have happened a long time ago? Absolutely. This has been like a four-year negotiation. But, you know, all's well that ends well. And hopefully I, I do justice to the people like you like Tony Kornheiser, you know, guys I've been going on with for a long time who I was learning through osmosis whether I yeah. even was cognizant or not. Nah, Jason Locken 4 is the man. Uh, go get him. And uh, we're big fans Thanks, and we'll be listening on radio.com and I love you. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Anything I can do, let me know. Thank you, brother. Our main man, Jason Lockenfora, the new PM drive host of 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. Check him out at radio.com. The financial markets have obviously been unsteady, to say the least, but with that comes some very favorable opportunities to borrow money, and that's where it's important to hear from our great partner, Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Thank you for having me on, Mitch, and I want to give a quick thank you to all your patrons and listeners that have reached out to us over the past really year, uh, especially in the last several months. So thank you to all your faithful listeners and trust in us. Uh, right now is unprecedented time and amazing time to be looking at real estate. I know uh, quite a bit of refinance calls coming in talking to clients, but also the home buying arena right now, as far as opportunities in real estate with either looking at listing your home and buying, but there are certainly opportunities as far as investment properties or finding a home. Listings are still coming on. It's a hot market here in Seattle and plenty of great opportunities for for people to be buying and getting into homes right now. What would you say about the numbers? Should we know anything about refinance numbers and interest rates and, and what's going on in the marketplace, Jordan? Interest rates are still all-time lows. Every leading indicator right now is uh, showing that rates are, are low and uh, projections are for them to stay low, especially with all the uncertainty in the market. Typically, when stocks go down, money moves over into your into the bond market, the securities of the U.S. bond market. So as far as interest rates and buying right now, rates are low. It's a great time to look at buying or even still refinancing, for sure. So the people that are calling in right now to Jordan Flowers' Guild Mortgage team in Kirkland, the phone's ringing what are people on the other end looking for right now? You know, it's across the board. We have people calling in looking to simply drop their interest rate, uh, stay on the same term of payoffs, perhaps drop their interest rate and save the most uh, monthly, drop their interest rate and take cash out for home projects or paying off student loans or credit cards. Just across the board, uh, there's savings for, for anybody there. A lot has been dropping from maybe 
27 years left to potentially 20 years left in, in speeding up the payoff cycle. So quite a bit of um, opportunity on the refinance side to, to save money or accelerate the loan payoff and build more equity. Give Jordan Flowers a call directly at 425-250-3150 and see if your family can turn this horrible time into something of a positive. Jordan Flowers and the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage, 425-250-3150. Unfiltered. Lawmakers have struck their own deal for a massive economic stimulus package. They were working until very nearly one o'clock in the morning following five days of tense talks. Partisan politics on full display, even in a time of pandemic. Two trillion dollars in relief, though, is the package that they came up with. So everyone knows by now that the Republicans and Democrats got together on a two trillion dollar stimulus package to come to the rescue of a long list of people, businesses, healthcare workers. But I figured if you're anything like me, you need someone a lot smarter to explain in layman's terms what all this means. So enter Brody Mullins, our investigative reporter for the Wall Street Journal. He's on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Brody, we break down numbers as they pertain to football, baseball, and basketball games. So I need a heavy hitter here to talk about the important (laughs) stuff. The number is $2 trillion. That's $2,000 billion for me to get my arms around it. Help us out here. Where's all this money going? Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. It's probably double uh, the size of the next biggest piece of legislation that Congress has ever passed. What everyone's trying to do here is help out industries and individuals who have been hurt by the economic collapse of the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, that means almost every element of the U.S. economy needs help. Uh, the government started off by looking at those who are on the front lines who got hit first by the stop in consumer spending. That, those are the uh, restaurants, hotels, airlines. But if you go down the list of industries, almost everyone's got some sort of a problem that, that, needs, uh, that needs help. Okay, so maybe it would be easiest, before I ask you about households and what our listeners can expect, what kind of help our family listeners can expect, maybe it's easiest for you to tell me who doesn't who doesn't prosper from this bill, Brody? Who doesn't, doesn't prosper? Just the wealthy, the wealthiest of the wealthy. Don't get uh, don't well. Get uh, uh, I'm not sure if, the, if that's true. I mean, the wealthy don't will not get any of these checks that the government's sending out about $1,200 to families or to individuals. The wealthiest wage earners won't get those, but the wealthiest in the country are also owners of hotels and 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 airlines stocks or, right. and and uh right. you know it seems like uh what i found interesting is that a lot of this debate in the last week in congress was focused on the stock market which is you know not a bad way to focus but i think only 50% of americans have money in the stock market so there's a lot of concern about the stock market going down the stock market going down obviously the people with the most money in the stock market are, are the wealthiest so they're also benefiting from this okay um so, you know, what I found interesting, not too far from your neck of the woods, was, was there a group of uh, fishermen, actually not a group of fishermen, the fishermen industry, the seafood industry in Alaska was trying to get help, and so far it hasn't actually. They have an interesting issue in that they have a uh, two different seasons. Right now they're in the Pollock season, which ends on April 15th. In July, the salmon season starts. In order to process their catches, they have a lot of foreign workers who come in under what's called an H-2B visa, 
under that obscure visa provision in the State Department, they have uh, these workers come in for Pollock. When the Pollock season is over, they have to leave and go home. And then they turn around and come back in July because the U.S. doesn't want a bunch of people sitting around here without jobs. I see. Anyway, to cut to chase, people think that with the coronavirus, those workers will not get back. So one of the things that the seafood industry wants is a simple switch in the H-2B visa program that would allow these foreign workers to simply stay in the U.S., basically have a staycation for a couple of months, so they'll have enough people to process salmon uh, this summer so that Americans will have salmon to eat or the salmon won't be super high-priced because we have to pay other people to purchase it. That's just one tiny example of how all the way down the different niches of the U.S. economy this is affecting people and how those industries are trying to get them some help from the federal government. Brody Mullins has been all over this stimulus package for the Wall Street Journal. You can read his work in the Wall Street Journal. So talk to the typical household, Brody. Let's say you're talking to a family of four here in the Pacific Northwest. It's a a family of four with two kids under the age of 17. They're in school. It's a household that's uh, low to middle income. What can they see from this? What are they going to see from this package? Talk to them. The most direct effects that they'll see are the the checks or payments coming from the federal government to individual families, particularly lower and middle class families. Those folks will get a a payment of about $1,200 per individual plus uh, $500 per kid. So that's a nice amount of money. So so, so hold on a second, Brody. $1,200 for each adult. And correct f- and five hundred for each kid. So what is correct. What, what is a kid? Seventeen and under? Under seventeen? What's a kid? Uh, yeah, I think it's eighteen and under. Eighteen um, and under that, is a kid. So that'll give you you know, give some families a check, but that's sort of a one time payment that goes away. If you're a lot of Americans who are working in restaurants or retail uh, or the service industry, or you're working to help an airline or working to help out at a hotel, a, a lot of those jobs are already gone. And, you know, a check for 3000 bucks or so is certainly nice, but that may not last you right. uh, a month or two. Right. Um, one of the most stunning things to me about this stimulus bill is that last Friday, seven or eight days ago, it was a $1 trillion bill. By Monday, it was a $2 trillion bill. By Tuesday, they were saying, this isn't big enough. We're going to have to pass another stimulus bill. So this stimulus bill that's passed, biggest bill in terms of dollars in the history of our country yeah. is a down payment, yeah, and there'll be another bill coming. And I want to get to that. Uh, I, I want Brody. I want to get to that, but I want to. I don't want to get yes. the cart ahead of the horse. I want to get back to this family. So twelve hundred per adult. That's twenty four hundred for the two adults, and five hundred for each kid under the age of eighteen. That's another thousand. So a family of four with two kids under the age of eighteen. We're talking about thirty four hundred dollar a thirty four hundred dollar one time check, right? Correct. Okay. What's the cutoff on the family income? Is it based on the 2018 2018 year? The income cutoff, I believe, is 75,000. So a family income of 75,000 or below gets that full amount. Okay. Um, I believe that every, uh, there's there's a very quick ramping down of that money. It gets pretty complicated. It's basically like for every $1,000 more you make, you lose $100 of the check. Something like that. So, okay. so, so very quickly it phases out. I think families making above two hundred thousand get nothing. Get nothing. Okay. Now, the families that get something. Let's talk about the logistics because I would think that this is important. How we're going to get this money? Is a check just going to arrive in the mail? 
Do they have to uh, fill out some sort of paperwork? Do they have to go online to do this? How about direct deposit? Speak to those issues about how right. the family that does get the three grand or whatever it is, how do they get it? Yeah. So those are all good questions and unresolved. Uh, the last time the government sent out a stimulus check during the Bush administration, uh, I believe it was a check in the mail from Treasury. It took several months. It's been 10 plus years. People have debit cards. People have direct deposit. The economy is different. So I know that some major companies, Visa, MasterCard, credit card companies are talking to the government saying, like, hey, we already have ways of getting uh, money into people's accounts faster. So if you send this $3,000 check or $3,400 check to someone, uh, to a family in Seattle and it arrives in three months, well, thanks, but it's too late by then. So if there's a faster way of getting it out, they're trying to see, can you do direct deposit? Can you do debit? And in some cases, government already has that information because people are, a lot of people, when they file their taxes, have direct debit. Got it. Brody Mullins, investigative reporter of the Wall Street Journal. Next step. Uh, the members yep. of our audience that are out of work, Brody, uh, changes to the unemployment policy and the insurance. Explain what this package does to that. Great. So I'm not fully up to speed on all the details, but what I can tell you is that in general, Democrats during last week were able to beef up the package that Senate, uh, I'm sorry, that Republicans had written to add m- uh, many more speed up and add more unemployment benefits. So I think in the past, People had to be unemployed for a certain period of time before they could apply for unemployment benefits. That's now been sped up. There was previously a limit on how long uh, someone could re- receive unemployment benefits. That's now been extended. I see. Um, I don't know all the details, but those are the two general ideas. Okay. How about small business owners or self-employed adults like me? You're talking to yeah. one. Uh, wh- yeah. What do we get out of this package? So there is a pot of money. It's around $450 billion that will go out through the Small Business Administration in loans or bridge loans to smaller companies, I believe companies of less than 500 employees. Those would allow people to try to keep employees on payroll, keep business going, even though customers are not coming in. The process for getting that money out is also a little unclear. This bill was signed into law less than 24 hours ago. The ink is still drying on it. But they know the government knows they have $450 billion in loans to two small businesses that they needed to get out. Interestingly, what I've seen in the last 24 hours is many of the lobbying shops and law firms in Washington, who I cover, have have transformed themselves from lobbying shops to uh, small business administration uh, loan consultants. Uh, and they're saying, hey, you want to know how to get this money? The question you just asked, well, hire me. I'm not sure how much it would cost. Hire me. I'll walk you through the process. I see. So as always, these big bills are money-making opportunities for lobbyists in Washington. How much money is uh, being thrown at the airline industry, Brody, and what's the impact? How long is this going to buy the airline industry? Are we going to start seeing you know, airlines go out, go out of business? You know, it, it's really so hard to say. Um, the airlines had asked for $50 billion, as much as $60 billion, if you include both the commercial airline business and air transport. They end up getting more like $20 billion out of it. Um, what's amazing is that, you know, there's only a handful of large U.S. airlines that we know of, you know, Delta and United and uh, American. They're getting $20 billion. Before the bill was even passed, uh, one airline said, hey, by September, we're going to run out of that money and we're not going to be able to – we're going to have to lay people off. So we're not even – we're not even uh, – they haven't even gotten this money and they're already saying it's not enough. And that's $20 billion. So – 
let's go back to what you said originally. This $2 trillion will buy some time for the U.S. economy, but we don't know how long. Clearly, the hope is that whatever the answer is, whatever the time that it does buy, that we can not only have success in kind of flattening the curb from a medical perspective in that time, but kind of getting over the crest of the pandemic and start to see it go go downward. Um, how likely, first of all, how much time do you think this is going to buy? Well, if you believe the airlines, it's going to buy us maybe three or four months. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that in three or four months, things are better. I found one of the most remarkable things about this is this, this entire economic collapse was simply due to U.S. consumers, to people like me and you, just deciding to stop going to restaurants and stop going outside and going to retail stores. So as soon as people can turn around and start spending money and going to restaurants, then the economy should snap back. There should be no long-term effects. Uh, however, you know, if you're like me, I'm not bringing my family out tonight. I'm, not, I'm certainly not bringing them out next week. I'm thinking about canceling my summer vacation. So you know, this could go on for quite some time. Once Americans have the confidence that they are safe from a health perspective outside, things should resume pretty quickly. Um, what the government's trying to do is, is make sure that in, in the interim, people don't get uh, kicked out of their apartments because they haven't been able to make their rent. People haven't skipped credit card payments because they don't have any money. People haven't been foreclosed on their homes because they've missed their mortgage payments. And all those things are going to happen. Uh, what the government's trying to do is just keep everyone in business yeah. for as long as possible. I hope we can get through this. I mean, you're telling me what's that's what the airline business is saying, but three grand for a family for three or four months. Do you really right. think you really think we're going to we're going to be able to stay afloat for three or four months on this original package? And part B of that question is how likely is it? that when the time comes that we can go back to the well, does the fact that we have a framework of a deal between the Republicans and the Democrats, does that help things? Or with changes as they come to the medical and economic climate, will we have to start from scratch and it'll be really a painstaking measure? Hopefully we won't have to start from scratch. I mean, I've covered politics for a long time, and I can tell you that the number one thing that a member of Congress exists to do is to get reelected. And if a member of Congress's constituents don't have jobs, they don't get reelected. So members of Congress, Republicans or Democrats, even though they have different views on many things, are doing everything they can to try to keep the economy afloat, to put money in people's pockets, to get them unemployment insurance, to prevent their landlords from, for from kicking them out or mortgage companies from foreclosing on them. I'm not saying that'll be enough, but I'm saying that they're, they are trying to do that. What's amazing to me is that it was not too long ago when Republicans uh, would talk about the size of the federal deficit and government spending. We need Iranian government spending. That was a big mantra for Republicans for a long time. The Republicans are in charge of the Senate. They're in charge of the White House and Democrats have the House. And you didn't hear a peep from anyone about how big this bill was. So no one's worried about how big the government's going to, how much money the government's going to spend. Everyone is sort of united on figuring out how to get out of this crisis. Any, uh, any best guess on what this is going to do to the stock market? I'm an optimist. I think the stock market is going to generally keep uh, inching back up. I, I don't think we're going to have a huge decline like we did before, unless there's a real change in escalation in coronavirus cases here. Obviously, the coronavirus cases are still going up. Deaths will still going, still going up. But if in a few weeks or a few months that starts to come down, I think that would match Wall Street's expectations. I and mean, we'd hopefully maybe in a year be back to normal. Mm -hmm. If that changes, if things get worse or don't slow down, I think we're going to have another crash. But I think that's more related to the virus and how long we're going to be quarantining our houses and therefore not spending money and less to do with 
what what Congress can do about it. Thank you so much. Brody Mullins, the investigative reporter for The Wall Street Journal. We owe you. So if you if the Wall Street Journal people ever need somebody to break down, I don't know, sacks in the National Football League, you know what to call. Uh, I, Will I, there be a National Football League? That's the real question. <laughs> well, I hope so. Brody Mullins uh, of, of the Wall Street Journal joining us from Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. area. Brody, thank you very, very much. It's great to visit with you. Thank I hope you. your family is safe and sound, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Take care. There's Brody Mullins of the Wall Street Journal. So every family with less than $75,000 income in 2018 will receive $1,250 per adult and $500 per child from the federal government as part of the stimulus package agreed upon last week. Evergreen Golf Call is well positioned for this downward turn in the markets. The Evergreen Private Wealth Management Division has been managing families' monies for decades with the goal of comfortable retirements for people all over the world. I've had personal experiences with other firms that really only want to know if I meet their minimum beforehand. Tyler Hayes' team is different in that respect. Their client compatibility survey at evergreengolfcall.com is one of the several ways that Evergreen listens and understands your unique situation before even the first conversation. Everyone's risk tolerance, time horizon, investment preferences, they're all different. Evergreen's wealth consultant gets that information ahead of time so that he or she can tailor make an approach and strategy that's perfect for you and your family's needs. There are even times that Evergreen reaches out to prospective clients to let them know that their investment philosophies just don't align. And that's okay. EvergreenGovCall.com, G-A-V-E-K-A-L.com, a perfect place to start. Just click on its client compatibility survey and answer a few questions. No commitment, just a starting point. Evergreen GovCall, a premier wealth manager during these times in the Northwest and beyond. As we kind of continue to lock all of our arms together and battle this fierce and invisible enemy and our hearts bleed for those infected, our minds also shift every once in a while to the young men and women who have had their lives stalled at very precious moments. What a sincere pleasure it is to welcome into the show a woman who grew up right here in the Northwest and has bled purple and gold for the last, I don't know, I don't want to date you, 30 years 25 years, Washington softball. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Washington softball coach in 2009, national champion, Heather Tarr, the winningest coach in UW athletic history. Coach, thanks for being with us. I'm hoping that you, your family, your friends are safe and sound. Yep, we're all good. It's uh, definitely a weird time, but family first and health first absolutely i have a senior in high school uh there'll likely be no second semester for him no prom no graduation no celebration to enjoy and look back upon what was it like coach to read those words from the ncaa spring sports canceled oh it's devastating you know you just hope that 
it kind of is a, maybe an easy, an easy transition or more of like, a, oh, okay, we're going to considering postponing, but to literally read the canceled part, I think that was the, just the biggest hit, you know, like we're in this mode of, as you are, you know, with a high school child, you're like, okay, what's next? What's next? And then all of a sudden the water gets shut off and you hear canceled and you're thinking like, wait a minute, what, you know? So it's just, it was a surprise. Give us an update on how your team to the best of your ability is feeling both physically and mentally. I know that you had done a lot of traveling leading up to the, the news, right? Yeah. Our season began uh, flying down to Atlanta, Georgia in early February. And we stayed down there for a 10 day road trip, went to Orlando and then to, to Clearwater, Florida to play on TV down there and, here we go. We're just finishing up our fifth week of travel and going into the sixth weekend, we we're about to open up our home, um, our home portion of our season. Uh, we we're about a little bit less than half in, I believe. And uh, Team USA was up here practicing on a, on a Wednesday to be able to play us on a Thursday to open that uh, the home, the home weekend. And here we go. Everything gets canceled. So um, we, we were on the road for five weekends in a row before we were supposed to start our home, our first home weekend. Any of your players fall ill? Anybody been tested that you know of? We never know, right? Like you're, you think back and you're thinking, oh, well, so-and-so had a little bit of a flu and so-and-so had this. You know, you go through those things all the time when you're on the road and, you know, you know, during the time where we were traveling, you're not thinking, oh, it's the, it's the virus or it's this or that. So you're just thinking it's just a, it's just a cold. But um, assuming that more people would have gotten sick if those folks had had something none of us had had before. So looking back on it, people, you know, had had this or that like a normal season, but uh, you never know. I don't know if somebody had it or not. So yeah. uh, everybody's safe right now. And, um, you know, I think the majority of the families of our of our student athletes are, you know, healthy and, uh, you know, it hasn't really hit anybody quite yet. I loved your tweet, Coach. Time to fight for our students' opportunities. Not right now. Let the curve flatten. But I'll be damned if Bates and Flores and Gibson and Atley have played their last softball game this past Sunday. This is not the end. I like the toughness. I like the resilience. Talk to me about that. Oh, man. Emotional, right? Yeah. So emotional tweet. Um, I usually don't do that, but I care so much about our student athletes and our women who come here to Washington to play for us, play for our communities. And, you know, you just feel for their passion, you know, like the worst thing ever. We're sitting in our team room and talking about what's next and, you know, our, our gals, they don't, they didn't know this was going to happen. None of us knew. And then you're just like literally telling them, Hey, this, everything's canceled. And you see the look in your senior's eyes and sis Bates eyes and Morgan Flores and all of them. And they're like, what? Like we're done. And, you know, just the length of our season wasn't, you know, again, we were kind of almost up to the halfway mark. We hadn't even played a home game yet. Uh, so much less that you're thinking like, there's no way like, okay, fine, let's cancel this. But you've got to look at this almost like a red shirt opportunity because the quantity of games played is really close to the red shirt. Even, you know, at 30%, we played maybe 36% of our game. So you just look in their eyes and you're thinking like, I got you guys, I got you guys, you can still do this. You know, it might be the last time they ever play, play sport in their senior year as a female athlete, you know, sis Bates should be a first round draft pick. I mean, most major league clubs, if she was a man, she'd be drafted by one of those clubs, but right, she doesn't right. have those opportunities. So you just want to fight for them and uh, give them the opportunities that they, that they, I believe they, you know, can have, you know, coach, while we mostly hurt for all spring athletes 
all over the country, all different levels of college sports over a lost season. It's compounded in your case because of the lofty outlook for your women in 2020, national championship front runners, right? It is what it is, right? So we get to the point where, all right, you use your life skills, you use your sports skills, you use your toughness skills, all those things. You're like, okay, how do we do this? How we compete at Washington softball is we try to take it one pitch at a time and literally one game at a time and we do it together. And so now you're like, okay, we got to pivot this mindset. You got to pivot off of here. You can't be thinking about yourself. You now, okay, what's the team? Who's the team? Well, okay, the team, maybe it's the United States. Maybe it's the state of Washington. Maybe it's our civilization, our society, humanity. Okay, let's compete now for humanity. So, like, selfishly for about, you know, a week, we're, we're in that mode. But now it's, like, a bigger thing. And I think all of our women are at that point now where we're like, all right, this is a bigger thing. And we can fight with our skills just like we did on the field uh, for for society and follow the lead of the leaders and go from there just like we would do on the field. Such a healthy attitude. What about your seniors? I know that they'll all be, I guess, invited back next year. Update us on that. Would any of them say, I'm going to go on with my life and as much as I love Washington softball, it's time for the next chapter or will they all come back and play? Yeah, it's such a good question. You know, you look at all of the NCAA spring sports and you're thinking softball, you're thinking baseball, track and field, rowing, tennis, countless, you know, countless sports and athletes are affected by this decision and your life goes on, right? So you're like, okay, now what? All your schooling's planned for. You're either done or you're not. You're a scholarship athlete or you're not a scholarship athlete. So, so many of these things are there, but I think um, we're still in a decision mode. I think the NCAA made that statement. I don't know if you saw that, but they said, you know, they recommend that you'd give the year back to the seniors um, or the athletes. Well, there's a decision to be made on Monday, March 30th. That's going to be pivotal to the, to the future of these athletes. Um, so we would like to think like, okay, they get their year back and they get to decide like you're saying, but honestly, Jen Cohen is awesome. Anamari Kause, our president is awesome. They want to support that for our seniors specifically. Um, you know, if they want to, if they could support it for all the athletes, give their eligibility back, um, they would, but you know, they're in support of the seniors and all that, but, um, it's ultimately not their choice. The conferences in the, the NCAA, all 32 of them are going to vote on Monday and yeah. we'll find out on Monday what happens. So it's really not to be, you know, it's not really our decision, I guess, but if it were their decision, I would say um, the majority of those guys would be back. Um, they would want to come back and then we'd have to figure out how to do it financially for their scholarships and um, all of that stuff. But gosh, at least give them the right, right. To yeah. like choose that. Yes. There's no question about it. Although, you know, then I start to feel for some of the underclassmen. Let's say you're a sophomore. You lose not only your sophomore year, but then your junior year, all of Washington, all of Coach Tar's uh, seniors come back, and maybe I don't get the opportunities as a junior that I would have gotten. So it's there's this trickle-down effect. How about the freshmen that are coming into your program that are expecting to play or not play or the opportunities based on who's graduating and who's not? There's this huge trickle-down effect, and you feel for all these athletes. Yeah, it's such a good point. I mean, it's so messy when you start thinking about the trickle-down effect, and that's what the presidents of the universities have to start to decide. And, you know, like, I mean, you and I can look, look at each other like maturely and be like, all right, you know, what's more important, literally like some human's life or your sports career. And as we all sit here in quarantine and with nothing to do, but maybe get on a radio show or a podcast, it's like, wow, like what's important? Like sports are so small yes. compared to 
potentially just this moment in time. And um, I just kind of look at it like that and try to give the perspective that like, yeah, okay, well, Kelly Lynch, our freshman um, who was having the, you know, a heck of a season, maybe eight, eight home runs, nine home runs. If we counted one that happened in a game that we didn't get to complete, um, she's, she's kind of like, well, shoot, I only got to play 24, 28 games, but in the big picture, it's like, all right, maybe that's just your story. Like your freshman year got cut short and you didn't get to go to the world series. You didn't get to compete for a national championship that year. And so be it. It is life. That's what it is. But we can say that kind of easily now, but it's hard to take. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I see your point And I understand that we're in the heat of this and in, in, in our hearts, as I said at the beginning, bleed for all of those that are impacted much more important than any sport is, but still, at some point, we're going to get to the end of this, and then we've got these women and men that have worked so hard to get to a certain point in their life. They should be rewarded with the opportunities that they've earned, and then 15 years from now, it's so sad to think that some of them will look back upon this time and 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 say geez I lost out geez I could have had this or I could have had that and I lost out that makes me sad a little bit I think just the process you have to look at it just with anything you're like okay trust the process well what is the process okay the process is this that the NCAA is governed by the conferences and the memberships and so all of the ADs and all of the presidents have to figure out how to make this decision for the best interest of everybody right and if it favors the athletes awesome. If it ultimately doesn't selfishly favor, then shoot, that sucks. But in the big picture, what's the most important thing? And that's just what we have to center ourselves on. And, but I am, you know, I'm an advocate of our, the athletes and the student athletes, especially the women, the female athletes, you know, no disrespect to the men, but these women athletes, again, like this is their, sometimes this is the biggest and best thing that they get to do. And their, their window doesn't last till they're 32 years old. It's, It's done. So that's where I feel most passionately towards just advocating for them for what you know they potentially could have and having no regrets but if the process says this is what it is you're like all right i trust the process that's what it was i hear you coach 600 and how many wins 600 and what oh my god i don't know not, come on not come enough. on we you know we going. all know 600 and what i don't know okay i don't know how many more <laughs> how many more national championships because i i don't want to see hundreds and hundreds of more victories without more cha- i need more than one national championship don't you you're right we got to maximize this mitch we're gonna we're gonna get it going if it if it has to be waiting till 2021, uh, we're, we'll do it. You know, uh, we'll get you another one soon. Don't it, worry. It's great to visit with you. My best to you, your family uh, here and in uh, Eastern Washington, and of course, all of your women that have worked so hard to get to where they are. My best and uh, and thoughts are with all of you as as they are with everybody else. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Mitch. Let's take it one pitch at a time. Go dogs. <laughs> Unfiltered. Episode 85, the other stuff segment. You know, everybody now, as we miss the NCAA brackets and the NCAA tournament, everybody's doing a bigger dance. Did you know that, right? Well, we talked about it before. We've yeah. seen some little. I saw a, a marijuana store was doing different strains of marijuana, which made me laugh. Everybody's Everyone's got a one, bracket yeah. contest, including Jason Lock and Four, who was on episode 85. He's got a brand new show in Baltimore. They're doing. Uh, a field of 64, a bracket of best fictional or fictitious sports movie characters. Oh, interesting. Best 64 movie oh, awesome. sports movie characters he's that, doing. That's, that's really Which I would not be able to get into yeah. because I'm not a big sports movie guy. I've never liked 
There's been a lot of sports movies that everybody else loves that I've been like, eh. Field of Dreams, eh. Really? I thought Bull, you'd love Bull Field Durham, of Dreams. Eh. Yeah, I'm not a huge, like Tin Cup, did not like Tin Cup at all. Did yeah. not like Tin Cup at all. You're a snobby golf purist. <laughs> I, I can see you not liking well, that. The reason I bring this up is... I was thinking if we were going to do a 64, a bracket, I don't think we do the bigger dance anymore. I think the bigger dance has, has come and gone. All right, I'll keep my T-shirt in the closet keep where Keep your T-shirt in the, in the <laughs> closet. I did see somebody, and I can't tell you who, so I can't give credit where credit is due. Somebody out there, whether it's a radio or TV or some, some podcast, I'm not sure who it is, but did one that struck my fancy or was going to do one that struck my fancy that I would do right here. If you said, let's do it, I would do it. I don't know how I would do it. We'd have to come up with the ways and give prizes away or something. The best TV theme songs. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. A bracket of the 64 best TV theme songs of all time. Now, do we is there is there, do we bracket off an era? Don't, I, don't, I don't know. No, okay. I don't don't ask me any follow up <laughs> questions. I, right, I haven't given it any more thought than what I'm giving you to you right now. That I would be into somehow playing out in a bracket format, one versus one, 64 to 32 to 16 to 18 to 42 to one, to figure out what is the greatest TV theme song of all time. I'd be totally in for that. Theme songs in the 80s used to tell a whole story. Do you yes, remember? They, they were like a minute and a half long, oh, some yeah. of them. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember the uh, Perfect Strangers where they showed that cousin or Balky was a, a sheep herder, and then he took, the, he took the ferry to see his cousin Balky. Larry. It was a whole, you didn't even need to watch a show. They told you the whole story in the, oh. in the open. You remember? Was Balky the there. guy that was in um, Beverly Hills Cop? You are correct. Good call. I should know his name. A little espresso? Yeah, with, with, a, the, with a little lemon, lemon twist. twist. It's, yeah. nice. it's nice. I like it. <laughs> I should know that guy's name. I should yeah. know Balky's yeah. name. The actor's yeah, let's name. Let's get him on. He's, he's available. He, he can't tell us that he's busy. No, he cannot. You're not busy. Nobody's busy. So stop telling me you're busy. Schlemiesel, Schlemazel. Oh, wow. Well, the whole story. Well, they yeah, yeah. Well, in the old days, they also also go through all the characters. It took a long time. Like I can remember, dun, 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 dun. The, the, the Dallas theme song was forever because they went through every Larry Hagman, yeah. Patrick Duffy, Victoria <laughs> Principal, Charlene Tilton. You want me to go on? Barbara <laughs> Belgetti. Of course I do. And Jim Davis. Uh, they went through the whole thing. So, yeah, they were long. And, and somewhere along the line, somebody decided, well, that's not good. You need to get right into the show. You know, yeah. from a, some programmer came in and said, no, you got to dun, 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 dun. You know, I mean, we could go on and on. I, I don't know how we would limit it to 64. Hmm. Oh, you think we? There'd be some bubble teams that'd be pissed. No, <laughs> there'd be some NIT teams that would be pissed. But Too close I would for be comfort. Into, I got to tell you, you're. How out. would we do it? Would we? Would we brack? Come up with a bracket and then put on the games on Twitter and just put a little poll on Twitter and then discuss the. How would we execute a bracket contest with the greatest TV theme songs? I think we could use Twitter to do the polls. That'd be fine. That's easy. To decide the games. Yeah, to decide the games, and yeah, then we can yeah. talk about the results. Yeah. I mean, we could drag this out. We're going to be home for a while. Right, we don't have to do thirty-two games like no, in a week. We can no. do two or three in between each episode and talk about it. I love two it. or three. It's going to take sixty-three. That's going to be twenty episodes. It's going to take a long time. Oh, so you want to do more? You're thinking. Well, the early rounds, I think we should do more. But okay. I, I don't. I, again, I don't have any idea other than, and I'm sorry, I'm ripping it off from somebody. Nothing. Nothing's. Nothing's truly original. There's no thought that's original anymore. Bronson Pinchot. Bronson Pinchot. I did not twist? look it up. I swear. With the lemon, lemon twist. twist. Anyway, yeah. I I thought maybe we should do. Like whatever radio station or podcast I saw. What do you... 64 themes. And how would we seed them or would we not seed them? 
Just put them on a bracket and let's yeah. not even seed them. Because you start seeding them, then you start giving your opinion on what you think's the best one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what people think. But where do you stand on, say, Westworld or Mad Men or Breaking don't Bad? Know. I never saw those shows, so I don't know their theme songs. Okay. See, I, I know the out. old ones. Right, but I mean... Can we put some new ones in too or no? Do you remember the story that I told you about going to see Eddie Murphy and yelling to him and him stopping the show and laughing at what I said? Yes. I'm sorry, Clint, that I thought you were homosexual. Do you remember yes. that routine? Uh-huh. Remember that story? Do you know, did I tell you who opened for him that night at the Sunrise Musical Theater in Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Or I did always, I not tell him? No, I don't think you did, but I always thought he had a band called the Bus Boys. I thought maybe they always opened, no? Not that night. Okay. Not that night. A guy by the name of John Sebastian. Oh, course opened up and i had no idea nor did anybody in the audience know who john sebastian was. this was an this Whoa. was an eddie murphy crowd okay not a lot of people know john gotcha. sebastian Fair music. Enough. I th- I, I'm, and, and i hope i'm not mixing up john sebastian opening for somebody else and then it's <laughs> it, it's not it's not, not important it. to the story yeah. what i'm going to say is so you know who john sebastian i know sebastian one is. song by john sebastian well nobody everybody's like ladies and gentlemen the guy comes on ladies and gentlemen it's john sebastian the guy comes out with a guitar starts singing songs and people were brutal. Oh, I'm and sure. I, and I think it was for Eddie Murphy, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It was for somebody else. They were like, they were booing him. Uh-oh. They wanted him off the stage. It's a bizarre choice. No comic. Have a comic come okay, out. And warm yeah, the crowd I don't up. know. Maybe, maybe again, I may be getting a rub. But anyway, the, whoever he was opening for, I was in the audience, okay. and he was <laughs> he was getting. And I felt terrible for the guy. It wasn't bad. Nobody knew his yeah. music. And then finally, he says something like, "I, I want to do one more song." You may have heard it. Oh, he, he saved it for the end. Gotcha. You may have heard this one. Yeah. And he did like a 20-minute version. <laughs> of course, I'm... Uh, he did the longest version. And he starts singing, Welcome Back. And everyone's going crazy. <laughs> Finally, he got him. Yeah. People like, put their arms together. Right, and they're right. swaying back and forth. Oh, that's and lighters awesome. are coming oh, on. Johnson. Anyway, Welcome Back, Cotters. I would think that's got to be somewhere in the... Uh, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. should have John Sebastian on. he got to be able to get John Sebastian. You think Sebastian. he'd sing it for us? No, he wouldn't sing it for us. Uh, I don't think he would sing it for us, no. But it'd be cool to have him on. But that's interesting you say that. My sister told me a story about seeing Madonna. I saw Madonna. In like 84? Like I, saw, I saw whatever tour it was. Like, like a virgin. Yeah, yeah. And I the saw. opening act were the Beastie Boys, who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. People yeah. love them, but they got booed off the stage. And I would love to hear people's stories about... Seeing big acts that were just in the wrong place. Wrong place, wrong right. time. Getting booed off. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a ton of them. Seinfeld. I saw Seinfeld with my parents. I think I told you this. I saw Seinfeld with my parents in like, in like 1980 at Catch a Rising Star, one of those clubs in LA, like in Santa Monica. Uh-huh. And we went in, and I had recognized him from something that I had seen him do either on Johnny Carson or, uh, you know, there was something I had seen him and I thought he was funny. I said, guys, this is like the James Harden story. Guys, what do you say? You're going to love this guy. I figured he was right up my parents' alley, and he was just brutal. People were booing him. Get off the stage. But Jerry you thought Seinfeld. he was brutal, too? He really yeah, wasn't he was, good? he or? was terrible. Okay. He was terrible that night. Yeah. He was terrible that just night. Just an off so. night. Say, same thing with James Harden. We went to an NCAA tournament. Yeah. I told my brother and father, this guy on Arizona State, wait do you see him. He's going to be a big pro sometime. You're going to love this guy. He's great. And he just stunk the joint. He was terrible. My, my father was like, who is this guy? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, uh, what, your taste? Are you blind? This yeah. guy's terrible. You know. Odd choices sometimes for opening acts. John Sebastian. John Sebastian. Good Lord. John Sebastian. Yeah, but anyway. that, Welcome Back Cotter should be on there. So maybe you, Steve, and myself should put together 64 that we like. So you, it would be a, it would a be bit. a good combo because you and Steve would get the the more recent. Like yeah. when I say more recent, in the last 25 years, yeah, right? <laughs> Seinfeld's a new show for you. I'm, I might, yeah, brand hey, new. That would way, be the newest one that I would. The know. Curb theme is. 
Oh, as good as any of them, right? Fit, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know it until bum, now. Bum, 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 whatever oh, it is. Yeah. And Alfred Hitchcock presents is a oh, great one. I mean, there God. are so many good ones. I don't think we'd come up with sixty-four. I think it, I think it we we'd be heartbroken to leave some people yeah. out of the dance. We'd have to do it though. I think it's good. I think that's a great. I, I'm I'm in. I will come up with a list of sixty-four or more, and then we can sort of okay see if there's ones okay. that double or triple up. Okay. Uh, a couple of RIPs, rest in pieces. You wanted to do, you want to do one. They both were the exact same age, by the way. How eerie is that? The two guys that we're going to bring up didn't know each other, weren't anything, anything close to one another. They both died this week. One died on the day that we're recording, and that is former University of Washington football head coach Jim Lambert. Who died at the age of 77, and he was the guy who succeeded Don James, right? Talk about wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I, I never thought from what I heard that he wanted to be a head coach. He masterminded that 91 defense. He's the first person to bring 11. He had 11 players on the line of scrimmage. It helps when you have two corners that can cover. You can bring all those people up. He was a defensive mastermind. That, that 91 defense is as good as you'll ever see in college football. Don James retired. What happened to that team, that 91 team? They won half a national well, championship? They went 12-0 and, and won two of the three polls. But they won half a national championship? No, no, they won two of the three polls. That would be two-thirds of a national okay. championship. In those, worst, in those days, as I recall, there were really only two main polls. UPI was one of them. Coaches poll and AP. Those are the three I'm talking. They won two of three. Okay. But they Go on. One of them didn't count. Says in those who? days, uh, well, I'm saying it now. <laughs> one of them didn't count. They would have gotten blown off the field. By the other team. But go ahead. Go ahead. This has been a stirring tribute to Jim Lambright. <laughs> Jesus. God. So tell me the guys on that team, the defense that he had. Do you really want me to go through? I could do them all, I think. Well, tell me the Steve names. That would yeah, I remember him. Donald Jones. You probably yeah. remember he was sack master. Uh, Jason Chorak. No, no, no. No. Before track. Dave Hoffman was a great inside linebacker. I know his brother. Brother uh, lives in the ne- Steve. Steve lives in the neighborhood. Okay. Yeah, no sons. Uh, James Clifford was on that. Chico Fraley, Tommy Smith, Shane Paukoa. I remember. In We're the, talking ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah, that was just the defense. Is Off- that the best defense that he ever had? By far, it's one of the best defenses of all time. I mean, statistically, you can argue, you can't really argue with it. Because you were telling me before we started recording that there was another defense where I recognized every name that you said didn't achieve the kind of the ninety seven team. The 97 I team remember a, 97 now. And they would have been freshmen or sophomores when that national championship team, or close to it. So it was a maybe freshmen in 91? Three, four, five, six. It was on the heels of their national championship and Rose Bowl success. So they were okay. getting lots of good players. But okay. the 97 team went 7-4, and four, I want to say. And they were packed. Tony Perry. He was the head coach. He was the head days. coach then. So I don't think he really ever... By the way, your buddy Richie He's McKay. A nice, I, I don't know him well, but I knew him a little bit. I, I shook his hand once or twice, was in his company once or twice. Uh-huh. Jim Lambright, really nice man. Really nice man. Just put in a terrible – I don't know that he ever wanted to be a head coach. Yeah, I didn't feel like he wanted to. Had to, to. succeed Don cool. James. I mean, they always say you don't want to succeed the legend. You want to succeed the guy after the legend, right? Succeed the yes. guy who succeeded the legend, something like that. Yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't want to fill in for Howard Stern. You want to fill in for David Lee Roth. <laughs> remember David Lee Roth got all those stations for some unbeknownst to us reason? Uh, but yeah, Jim Lambright. Oh rest of, and by the way, he didn't – Don James, I don't think anyone knew he was going to retire. He just did. So it was not like they had it's a year to here. groom yeah. him and you're going to be the guy. They just threw him in there. And, but I was going to say Richie McKay, who you had on, the head coach of Liberty? Yeah. His brother Orlando was on that 91 team too. Oh, so really? Orlando McKay. And Mario Bailey was the other receiver. Really? Yeah. Richie McKay's brother was on that team. I remember Orlando scored a perfect score at the Combine. I was keeping an eye on him because he was my friend's brother-in-law or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Perfect score at the Combine and just couldn't, couldn't, yeah. couldn't catch Rest on to the Rest in peace, NFL. Jim Lambright. Now, yeah. the other guy who was 77 who died this week, you think of the whistle, Sweet Georgia Brown, right? Oh, that's the right. The greatest dribbler of all time. Well, 
at least the most famous dribbler of all time. I'll take Curly you, Neal, right? You could throw him as the best. The bald I mean. head, the uh, the the the, uh, the headband. I Curly watched. Neal on his knees dribbling the ball with the whole Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, and, and this is not going to mean anything to who's anybody who's young that's listening to this. They probably don't even know who Curly Neal is. But guys that are your age, my age, and a little bit older, everybody remembers Curly Neal, right? I mean, the Globetrotters were as big as any Huge. professional sports team out there, if not bigger. They were superstars, and I watched a uh, highlight film of Curly Neal. He was shooting from, like, almost half court, like, making it consistently. He would launch it. It would, like, almost go to the ceiling, and he yeah. would somehow it would go in. So not yeah. only could he dribble, but he could do these yeah. crazy Metal shots. Metal Lemon yep. and Curly Neal were the two kind of most famous faces and figures of those Harlem Globetrotter teens in the 1980s, and he was 77 years old. Anyway. So, yeah, rest in peace to those yeah. two. What do you got over there? You got something? A couple things I've noticed haven't changed during this coronavirus outbreak. What is that? I don't know if you've noticed. It kind of, it gives me, it actually makes me feel good that, that things, maybe the world isn't ending. I've noticed that the State Patrol have been radaring like crazy. Every time I drive, which isn't very often, they have their radars going. I, I notice it. I don't know if you've noticed it or if our listeners have noticed it. They I have driven so. I, you know, I, the, the, I have been out in the car so little. I, I, you're talking about it on the highways. I don't think I've been on a. Well, that's not true. That's not true. So you're saying like on 90, you're seeing these guys yeah. camped off on the side of the road. Oh yeah. They don't have anything better to do. Every time, like, can we maybe not give tickets to people who maybe have lost their job or are just trying to go to work during a scary time? Can we pull back a little bit on that? I know everyone's losing money, including them. I'm sure. Can we chill Did out? Did you get a pulled bit? over, Hotshot? No, I'm. I've learned my lesson a long time ago. I set my cruise control at nine over. You use the cruise control daily. If it's four, if the speed limit's forty, I put it to forty-nine and just let it go. And I have not been pulled over in fifteen years of setting it at nine over. I'm not telling everyone else to do it, and don't send me your ticket if you get. I one. got a ticket. I just recently got a ticket. Speeding not, ticket? not a speeding ticket, but not a real speeding ticket. I just got a. I got a. You know, wife says, "Hey, you're getting, you got something. Some oh. mail came." From the, uh, I open it up and I got a speeding ticket. How fast do you think I was going, Hot Shots, Scott? Was it on the freeway or like in a residential like it was a a, city? It, it was a, it was in the city. Yeah, twenty-eight uh, miles an hour. I got a speeding ticket for going twenty-eight miles an hour in a twenty-mile-an-hour school zone. Apparently, I was taking my son for physical therapy on his on his foot. I, it was like it was like, and they, they said that the the time exactly was like nine a.m. exactly, I believe, or eight a.m. exactly, which was like the last minute of the school zone of that particular school oh, zone. Oh god! So I think I, I, but it doesn't count against my. I had to pay a lot of money it for doubles, 20. right? In school zones, I think it doubles maybe. Or it's I paid a lot of money. You just paid said a lot of money. Paying it. Well, there was really. I wasn't going to court to try. To, I mean, I, I if I was going twenty eight miles an hour, I'm sorry, I was going twenty eight yeah. miles an hour. So, yeah, I, I, I know. So you haven't gotten a ticket in 15 years. For speeding. Now, I, I did get a camera one where yeah. they said I ran a red light. It was, yeah. it was yellow. So I don't know if you know this. Fight it? Well, here's the thing. You can, <laughs> <laughs> you can go online and you can log in with all your info and they can pull it up and they provide the video yeah. of you. Yeah. And I hit play. And it was red. <laughs> I just wrote a check. <laughs> they were totally right. I was dead to rights. It was absolutely red, and I just burned through it. So what else do you notice is happening in that, that means that the coronavirus can't be all that bad? People still telling each other to F off on Twitter. Still going on. I see it still daily. Still fighting. Still oh, a lot of fighting. Oh, it's A lot of civilians fighting still. Not everybody's being kind to one another, like Ellen tells us at the end of each show. Be <laughs> yes, kind to one another. That's right, Ellen. Mm -hmm. The kindest of all. Yeah. People still, I mean, if it's Trump-related, forget about it. Just oh, forget yeah. about it. It's oh, over. Yeah. yeah. And I can't decide if it's ramping up because of this, because there's one side who thinks Trump's 
completely inept at handling this, and then there's the other side who just loves him blindly for whatever reason. It's the Hatfields and the McCoys. Well, you're also probably probably noticing uh, a lot of infighting here in the state of Washington because of the recent remarks and and insults that Trump has thrown at the governor of the state of Washington. Correct. So I think I think people's uh, people's political political views have become on high alert. Have come yeah. been really revved up in this state in the last couple of weeks. I think he takes it personal that in, I forgot Inslee ran for president. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he did. Yeah. And Trump, I think, take I'm it. not going there. Yeah, I know. He takes it personal, but I'm he's not going, going after there. the woman in Michigan, too. Yes, he for is. For some reason, he yes, doesn't he like is. her either. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's just, if I see people getting along on Twitter, I'll know the world is uh, is coming to an end. So you're happy to see people telling yeah. other people to F off. I take solace in it. It's like, Brian, it's normalcy. Has anybody told you to F off? <laughs> well, if, probably. I mean, <laughs> not at least not on Twitter. Probably in there, you know, when they read my And I have two other things. Uh, have you seen the new Rams logo? They're in the NFC West. Have you taken a look? I can tell we're out of sports stories because people are outraged on Twitter about Well, this. Eric Dickerson may be one of the greatest Rams of all. Mr. 2,000-yard Eric Dickerson would, out of SMU. On a side note, he I He does love- not like the logo. I think he thinks it looks like a penis. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look he at does it not again. Like, he does not like the new logo of his former team. Where do you fall in with logos and uniforms? Are you like a big uniform guy where you really... No. I'm not either. See, I don't no, get I don't outraged get, about any of that stuff. I, I, outraged, I never get. I do have a little interest when it comes to my favorite team. Like, there was something, there was something circulating. You probably saw this. Uh, Russell Wilson kind of flamed the fire that maybe the Seahawks were going to be allowed to go back to the old blue uniforms. I did see that. Did you see that? And he's really an advocate of that. He wants to wear, essentially, he wants to wear Rick Meyer's jersey. Well, how about Dave Craig's jersey? Can we go with Dave Craig? No, Dave Craig was, was what, was 17. Oh, I see. The, he the, wants the, to the wear number. Rick. Yeah, okay. He wants to wear Rick Meyer's jersey, the blue. <laughs> right. And apparently, there's some NFL rule that has to be waived because the helmet was more than one color. Don't don't quote me on this. See, I thought he had to wait 20 years until you last I, wore them. There's know. some weird rule. I think that there's a color. There's a certain amount of colors that your helmet. So the NFL okay. has to look the other way on that. But there's this now groundswell of support that the Seahawks can go wear that old blue oh, sure. Cortez Kennedy, oh, yeah. you know, Rick Booten tootin'. <laughs> All the players. <laughs> Kurt, how about Kurt Warner? Paul Johns. <laughs> yes, Paul Scanzi. The two Pauls. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. And so I'm not a huge, like, I'm, I know I know that other people get a lot, a lot more into oh, logos. Yeah. They get worked I could tell you that I didn't like when my, my old, time Dolphins logo got changed and sometimes they wear their old aqua uniforms with the the old Dolphin logo with the little thing the circle Did the Dolphin have the helmet on yeah Dolphin oh I like the helmet on the Dolphin I used to love those uniforms so I guess I'm somewhere in the middle okay I don't feel like I'm one of the rabid ones but I think I'm somewhere in the middle like when the Hawks come out in the the neon green I don't flip out people highlighters yeah Yeah, I don't what do I care yeah I never really go with that and you can tell by the way I dress I truly don't care about fashion or anything right pretty obvious can i give you one a-hole story of, of the day yeah so the lost ogle.com i just happened to see this story the what it's a website the lost ogle.com they ogle do new, yeah ogle, okay OGL. this is them reporting that are we getting into number two in the shower now well, i looked hard are, are for number two buttholes? stories are we going buttholes now? Okay. I, I tried i tried but okay. this is just kind of an a-hole All thing right. we'll okay. see i'm curious to see how this washes out okay. that ImageNet consulting it's an oklahoma city-based it firm they sell copiers and scanners and stuff they want their employees to forfeit a portion of their April paycheck that's equal to the amount they receive from the government-issued coronavirus coronavirus stimulus payment. So they're essentially, they came up with a way for 
to pocket their employees' stimulus checks during these times because they're losing money too. And it's, this virus has really exposed people, hasn't it? It's like either you're, you see Drew Brees donate $5 million, yeah. and then you see companies like this yeah. trying to take it away. By the way, from the employees, they still have left. I'm sure they had to let people go. So I'm curious to see Twitter. This is one thing Twitter is good for. They can throw stories out there and put some heat and pressure on well, people. Well, I mean, look, at, look no further <laughs> than my little thing. I don't know that we really talked a lot about it on the podcast, but you remember way back when, now it seems like four months ago, <laughs> that I was considering going to L.A. to take the kids. <laughs> to the. Remember that? Crazy, right? Right, and we were like down to the wire. Are we going to go? Are we going to not go? Yeah. And like right before the we went, they stopped the NBA, so we, they made the decision. Well, we were going. Yeah. We were going. Do you remember... I looked into when I went looked into canceling the the reservation the hotel reservation. That's right. And I called them. I said I'm from Seattle and I don't think I should be coming. And they were like, Sorry. Yeah. And then I went to Twitter with it. I went to Twitter with it. Marriott property won't give me my money back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, Okay, so let me ask. I, what I should have said to the guy was, Okay. So you're saying I've got to come and enjoy the hotel, otherwise we can't. What if I told you I have the coronavirus? <laughs> right. That I am positive. Right. Would you still say to me, either you come or you don't get your money back? <laughs> Please bring your virus, sir. Would you come, cough all over the hotel. I mean, right. At what point? Where do we draw the line? Yeah. And then I, you know, I, I, I wrote on, and people, and I'm not saying it was us because it was a little thing, but I'm sure people around the country had the same problem with Marriott properties. Yep. And not soon thereafter, not because of us, not soon thereafter because of. Twitter and social media, the CEO came out and said, we're going to give everybody their money back. Right. I got my money back, whatever. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting how it's uncharted waters. People yeah. don't know what to do or how to act. This will change. Is that your prediction? Yes. I'm sure it will. Oh, my God. I'm sure he didn't love that that got out oh either, God. by the way. This will change. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing that I have for today or for the episode 85, besides playing the duet, the lady duet, in case anybody who's a non-patron wanted to hear it. I'm getting my shoes on to leave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric Stevenson. Is worth a is worth a mention. You probably don't know that name. He is actually going to be a guest okay. on episode eighty five P on Thursday, the Patron Show. Uh, Eric Stevenson was the Wichita State's second leading scorer of the basketball team on a good team, Wichita State, second leading scorer. He hails from Lacey, Washington. Oh. He went to Timberline High. I dated a girl from Timberline. There you go. You, you met. What, what, what high school didn't you date a girl <laughs> from? Fair enough. Uh, Timberline High. He was the fourth biggest recruit in the state of Washington his senior year. It was a year that Brooks from... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember where Brooks went. Anyway, anyway. There Wait, was, which, Aaron Brooks? Like a long no, the, time no, ago? No, 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 oh. no, no. Just a few years ago. Okay. Okay. He decided to transfer. He's leaving Wichita State. He came down to Gonzaga, Oregon, Washington, Maryland, like Duke, whatever. Wow. Picked Washington. Wow. Coming to Washington. I love Coming it. Coming back home. He's come back home to Lacey. Love he's, it. He's petitioning the NCAA to be able to play right away. Sure. And so uh, Eric Stevenson. We'll take him. And, and what's interesting is he was a 90, I think it was 97 he graduated from high school. And that's the year that Hopkins – no, not 97, yeah. 2007, okay, sorry. Okay, thank you. Uh, 2007, he graduated – I believe it was – no, not 2007. Let's, can I start that over? Yeah, can we dump the last no, five minutes no. so we don't have the dump button? 2017. Gotcha, okay. okay. Decade. Well, poor guy's decade. having trouble getting out of college. Jesus. Poor guy over here is trying to – sanity. I had, um, him, I had him with Aaron Brooks from like 93. No, ni 2017 uh, 
was the year I believe Mike Hopkins was hired by Washington. So he joined the party late on Eric Stevenson, and he said no to and 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 went to Wichita State instead. Now had had Hopkins been here the whole time, yeah, he might have come to Washington from the beginning. Anyway, he's going to be a junior the next time he's able to play. He's hoping to not have to sit out a year. He's going to immediately make the Washington team better. I love and it. Eric Stevenson is his name. Now, did Timberline you, High. Now, where did where did Jonathan Stewart, the running oh, back, go to school? I'm pretty, where did he go to school? I think it was Timberline. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and is uh, that right, Amari? And then you're going to say, I dated a sister. I did, as a matter of fact. She, <laughs> no, he's a little. She was a little young then. She was a guard of that team. But uh, <laughs> I was bummed he didn't go to Washington. It was. Do you remember the two big top running backs in the state? Well, he was. Well, he was. He. I want to say that he had more yards than anybody in the history of high school football. Oh, At maybe. least the well, state. He was good. It was him and James Hasty Jr. Oh, he went to Washington State? No, he didn't go to Washington He went State. to Washington. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. His father went to Washington State. That's right. And James Hasty Jr. went to Bellevue High, right? Correct. Now I remember now. Correct. Yeah. And we got yeah. – hey, the, the Huskies got Hasty, and but Jonathan got Stewart, Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan Stewart was earmarked for the NFL in high school, right? He was going to be – Essentially, yeah. yeah he was but Hasty kind of was, too, if you look at his numbers. Stewart's trying to come back to the Seahawks. Did you know that? I did not know that. He was tweeting – Seahawks are – you know, he was tweeting, like, things to the Seahawks. Hey, I'm, I'm available. He wow. he wants to come back to the, he wants to come back to the NFL and play for the Seahawks. Well, they uh, they they did go out and get Marshawn Lynch at thirty three, <laughs> so maybe I think that's when it was. <laughs> oh, really? I think it was right after Chris Carson got hurt and Rashad Penny got hurt. That that's when it was that Jonathan Stewart put like the little eyeballs yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on a Twitter yeah. and said, "I'm here, I'm here. No, takers. I don't have to come for it. No, was he 33, 34, maybe? Yeah. Well. Yeah, I guess we can figure it out. I don't know. When did you date his, when did you date his sister? <laughs> I got to go back and look at that. <laughs> All right, we got to name this episode, don't we? Yeah. Can I have the list again? Ocho Cinco is jumping out. No. He was really good. No, he was no Jack Young. You don't remember Jack yeah, Youngblood. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't remember Jack Youngblood. How could you not remember Jack Youngblood? 85 for the Rams, defensive end, Hall of Famer. I believe you. I just okay. don't I don't believe So let's go Antonio it. Gates. Or do you want to go Mark Bruner? Antonio Gates, 85. I owe, I've always 955 catches, 12,000 yards, 116 touchdowns, eight Pro Bowls, three All Pro teams. And why was he not on more All Pro teams? Because they only have one All Pro tight end, and it was Tony Gonzalez every year. Both in the AFC. Oh, Long all, oh time. all Pro. Yeah, yeah that's, all pro. that's rough. I think he deserves it then, having only been on a couple All Pro teams. And he played basketball like Tony Gonzalez. I think San Diego State. No, am I wrong about that? Antonio Gates played college ball somewhere. Yeah, oh, I believe it. Played college basketball while he was playing college football. I think it's episode Antonio Gates. Okay, I'm going to watch Tiger King. Are you really? Yeah, I'm going to try it. Am I going to like the first the first episode? Better be good, Hot Shot. I'm coming after you if the first episode's not good. <laughs> well, I don't trust you with shows. You, get, <laughs> you, you have like this weird high standard, like, oh, a little slow. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, if... If you don't like the first episode of How Ti- long is it each how long is each episode? It's like an hour, roughly an hour. If you don't like the first episode of Tiger King, you're definitely not gonna like the rest of it. If it doesn't if it doesn't hook you. Okay. But you have to appreciate insane, crazy people who live in the United States of America. Okay. This if you were to pitch this as a movie, people would tell you, get out of here. This this is it's too it's convoluted, real. it's not real. This doesn't happen in this country. So Edward Norton is not gonna play the the Tiger King. <laughs> well, I think he is actually. You have to watch it. It's so awesome. Okay. You will love it. Okay. Episode and should we play the duet of Lady? Fine. We can play it. And I'm gonna come up with a bunch of uh, movie theme songs. I think we should do that as well. I'm gonna come up with a list for our no, TV theme songs for you. TV theme, not movie. Yeah, TV yeah. theme songs. Sixty-four. I love it. 
I think we should do it. I think people would really be into it. Okay. All right. And you got nothing Episode, else to do. You no, can run it. No, you're not busy. <laughs> Don't let anybody tell you they're busy that they can't come to the phone. That's they're right. not. They're, they're right near their phones. Yes, they and are. And they should be answering right away during these times of troubles. Uh, anyway, episode Antonio Gates. Enjoy Lady, the duet by Mitch and Scott. Me first? Uh, do all you want. Lady, I'm your knight in shining armor, and I love you. You have made me what I am, and I am yours. A little early, sorry. Sorry, Kenny. Quincy Jones is pissed. My love, there are so many ways I want to say I love you. Better. Let me hold you in my arms for evermore. Early. You have gone and made me such a fool. I'm so lost in your love. And oh, we belong together. Won't you believe in my song? Not bad. Not too bad at all. Lady, for so many years I thought I'd never find you. You have come into my life and made me whole. A little late. A little off key too, maybe. <laughs> you changed it on me. Forever. Let me wake to see you each and every morning. Let me hear you whisper softly in my ears. Solid B plus. Thank you so much. Yep. Here I go. Ready? Do it up. In my eyes, I see no one else but you. There's no love like our love and yes oh yes I'll always want you near me I've waited for you for so long together here we go hot shot lady. we're up to the challenge not yet right, sorry, sorry. and lady Take it. You're my lady. 
Exactly that is. I didn't know there was a late one in there, a late note.